0: Getting you through your workday one hour at a time. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Hey, folks, welcome to your Friday, good to have your company, I can see Andy Thompson's doing his Rural Roundup show from, uh, I think it's a Young Farmer of the Year in Geraldine, I think he is, so half the country got me, get eight, half the country got Andy, can't say go to you, because you're listening to Andy, but we've got very, very shortly Julian Dean, um, New Zealand's best ever Grand Tour rider 7 Tour de France as he rode We'll have him very very shortly It's the only spot we could find for Jules, But always appreciate hearing from the great man As we did in um, the pre-tour The preview uh, last week Uh, At 1 o'clock Life member Zaid He is coming into studio to preview UFC 290 He loves his UFC And he loves being a life member And he loves coming into studio with his dad And he'll tell us about Alexander Volkanovski um, Dan Hooker and the, there's so many good things on this card so we had to get Zayden, in. Jeremy Paul if he replies to me which he still hasn't. Uh, 2 o'clock <laughs> it's 2 hours away, he's got 2 hours to reply to my text to make sure he's alright he always fronts up, always fronts up he'll be at 2 o'clock. 2.30, Crystal Hackett junior driver in the harness racing scene. Um, picked up four out of her four, first four drives last night at Cambridge, all winners, which is phenomenal for a junior driver. Bit of a breakthrough night for her. So she'll join us at 2.30. We'll have uh, Rabinio's Wimbledon wrap, because I have no idea what happened in Wimbledon overnight. There's just too much going on. Uh, we'll also find out what's making news. We'll look back in the day. We're going to talk to Jimmy Smith, of course, as we do on Mondays and Fridays. That's before we head out at 2.45. Oh, there's lots of stuff. Midday Madness will be 12.30. Um, Depending how long I go with um, Jules, I could talk to him all day. But um, after we've done our Tour de France wrap and a review and preview today, we want to take your calls. We just chucked the lines open for at least half an hour on the All Blacks team. Um, A lot of negative comments coming out, actually, which is okay. Which is okay. Uh, Damien McKenzie and 10. What? Um... Imani Narawa making a debut. Josh Lord into the second row. Haven't seen him for a long, long time. I think he played a couple of games for the Chiefs at the end. Uh, there was discussion about Aaron Smith might not have played and they would have had a look at Cam Roigard, Sean Stevenson. Everyone can't even believe he hasn't made their 23. But we'll get we'll get to that at about 12.30. But first of all, it is Tour de France two nights ago. Um, Vingegaard, Blue Pagacha, Away, And I was thinking, is that the end of Pagaccia? But last night, this happened.
1: 100 metres to go. Yesterday, this rider looked like he was a beaten man. A resurgent Tade pagacha has put a blow to the hopes of Wengergaard. Stage six, take a bow.
0: We are six <laughs> stages through the Tour de France. And boy, the last two nights have been... Unreal, actually, which is the beauty of the Tour de France, and a man that's ridden it multiple times, New Zealand's best ever exponent of the Grand Tours, joins us as he did last week. Uh, Julian Dean out of Rotorua, Jules. Wow, uh, we're only six stages in, but there's been so much drama.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I'm already feeling pretty tired from the from these late nights, and we've still got many stages to go. But it's truly been been exciting. You know, we had a, a pretty aggressive start there uh in the in the bus country in spain with uh, you know the favorites already coming to the finish line in small groups those first stages first um but then yesterday uh, we arrived in the, in the pyrenees and uh, it was fireworks from the get go you know big breaks going away and then the big guys going toe to toe in Vindergarten and Pod's car, uh in the finish in stage 5 and stage 6 last night
0: I want to talk about those two, but I do have to tip my hat to Jai Hindley, who won Stage 5, an aggressive, powerful rider, really announced himself to the world. To the the casual viewers, I know he's done well at the Giro d'Italia, but this is Tour de France Stage 5 stuff. He looked impressive.
2: Yeah, he's really, really a a class rider, um, Jai Hindley, and certainly one you would have picked uh, earlier on or, or before the Tour de France to be... Uh, on the podium in 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 Paris, and they they get to Paris. Uh, but he's you know he's got a reputation as a as a great guy. West Australian uh, had a, a great Giro when when he won that. Uh, so he, he's definitely in the picture. But it was really a, a class ride yesterday um, or the day before to take take that yellow jersey, and he's put himself uh, very much in the picture of getting on that podium. And we know, uh, I think, with him that he's really good uh, over three weeks. So. You know, he's taken the opportunity early and it's going to be interesting to see how he goes as we near Paris and the, uh, and the French Alps over the next week.
0: Have the Yates twins surprised you?
2: No I mean we, we both know you know having worked uh, with both of those boys uh, for multiple years. You know, we know that they are uh, very very competent riders. Uh, you know and Simon especially has, has won the tour of Spain so he's good over those three weeks. Uh, he's been podium in the Giro multiple times. And, uh, if we think about Adam, uh, you know, he took that great opportunity early on stage one. Uh, but, you know, you can see now that his role, um, has really shifted to supporting his teammate, Podskar. Uh, and, you know, Poshka is going to need him, uh, all the way to, to Paris. Cause, you know, as we've seen, particularly last night, when we we're watching that stage, you know, you can really see the strength, uh, in that Jumbo Bismarck team. And, you know, that could be Vindergaard's, uh, you know, ultimate, uh, weapon. By the time they get to the uh, the French Alps over over this next uh, over this week ahead,
0: I mentioned to you before the tour started that Walt Van Art just can just is such an amazing rider. He he just turns himself inside out every single day. Uh, he must need a lot of wheat bicks in the morning.
2: Yeah, he's definitely a, he's definitely a monster, and you know it's just extraordinary that someone of his talent. Um, you know that can be winning many uh, multiple stages himself. You know, really focuses on uh, on what's good for the team and, and helping Bindergaard. You know, we've seen Walt Vanart uh, narrowly miss out on that stage, getting second place last week. Uh, but you can see, uh, like all those Jumbo Visma boys, you know, he's, he's turned his attention now to uh, helping Bindergaard. Uh, but I have no doubt in my mind that we'll see. Uh, Walt Van out pop up for a stage when there's a time trial coming up um, after the next rest day at the end of the uh, start of last week. So um, that'll be definitely something, a place that we'll be watching out for Walt Van out there as well. So
0: explain to me the form reversal, particularly for Gacha. Um, so stage five, the one that Joe Hindley won, Vingegaard just attacked him on a reasonably steep section and. um Tarik Pogacar, he had nothing um, and people were saying are we going to see an early exit from him is his wrist playing up, he's had injuries this year, Vingegaard looks like he's got the legs and then last night stage 6, it was a role reversal although I would have to say, I don't think Vingegaard looked as broken as Pogacar did stage 5 but Pogacar rode away from him and it really, um, we were thinking a two horse race and I think it's been cemented
2: Yeah I think uh, it's it's definitely going to be the way going forward. We've, you know, we've got these two guys. They've have stood up as we expected to be head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, and as you see, it's been, um, you know, I I thought, you know, Potskar's a he, he, he never gives up, and he won't give up until uh, till we get to Paris, till we get to Paris. I think he's definitely had, as you said, Steph, the, you know, the more bumpier running, but. Man, the thing we've got to think about here is we're early. We're very, very early in the Tour de France. Yes, the stages uh, in the Pyrenees are finished. We've had some dynamite stages, but the, the big part of this racing, uh, of, this, of this tour, is still to go. We're crossing now um, across the, um, you know, the, that bottom third of France to the central Martívo over the next few days. We've got a couple of flatter stages, but we're watching out for cab there to see if we can nab that record. Uh, but those stages are lumpy um, after the next two uh, as we head across to the Alps, And they're going to be hard. So it's going to be um, a lot of wear and tear on the teams as they try and control uh, those states. They're certainly not going to be wanting to let, to let guys like Jai Henley uh, get up the road like they did on stage five because we've seen that that's dangerous. So we will have to keep those under control. These big groups that we've been seeing of 30 and 20 guys can't be letting that happen if uh, you've got that, that, that yellow jersey uh and we're hoping to be on that top step in, in Paris, because Jai Jai Henley and those guys, they'll uh, they'll disrupt the proceedings. So it's going to be, going to be interesting. Fatigue uh, management is going to be the next uh, next big thing over these next four stages as we as we head across uh, to the Alps. And we've got some hard stages, man, um, going into next weekend after next Monday the, the time trial and, and one more big mountain stage there uh, for those guys to handle.
0: UAE Team Emirates support Pogacar and Jumbo Visma Vingegaard. From what you've seen so far, I mean, those guys can't do it alone. They need they need good um, domestiques. Who's lining up as having the better group of domestiques? I know it's early stages, but which team would you want supporting you?
2: Yeah, you know, if, if you look through the rosters uh, of both of those teams, um, you know, they've, they've got extraordinary depth. And we're sort of seeing this in cycling. Uh, now which is making it hard for a lot of teams but they're getting what we call these super teams uh, you know like massive budgets and they're just buying uh, you know such depth in their riders Uh, but you know I think what we've seen so far is that um, Jumbo Visma have probably been the dominant team and by dominant what I mean by that is you know, when we're getting to the real critical part on the mountain stages they're definitely having more numbers um, they've been sending guys up the road in those breaks so we've seen Walt Van Aert go up the road and then drop back and help them to guard so they've really uh, you know been all over everything uh, at this stage uh, but they also have been uh, spending a lot of um, biscuits as we say in cycling uh, uh, terms but which, which means you know if they've got a pile of biscuits at the start of the race they've been eating a lot of them and you might run out before the end and run out of energy So, um, so they've been all over everything using a lot of energy and uh, although UAE uh, seem to be a little bit more controlled and uh, making their decisions a little bit more conservatively uh, than what Jumbo-Bismar and we could see this play out by them uh, having a few more numbers when we get into the um, French Alps next week. So that'll be definitely one of the key things to watch because certainly, you know, if uh, Windergaard gets isolated and... Uh, and Podskar finds himself with a, a couple of extra teammates at, at any point uh, over these next four or five days, in the back end of next week, uh, then you know they're really going to put the hammer down.
0: Tonight's stage is a 170k flat stage uh, for the sprinters. Is it basically? Um I don't want to understate how hard the tour is, but is it a bit of a recovery day for these for fingerguard and Pagacha to let the sprinters do their thing and just don't lose time to each other? do you, do you see it it's just that it's completely different today uh tonight's stage?
2: Yeah, their uh, you know their mindset uh will, will certainly be um one of Conservancy going into the next two stages. Uh, so we've got a couple of flat stages. are heading up, up to Bordeaux, which is traditionally always a sprint to stage uh, tomorrow. Uh, and so, it's, I mean, the, the one thing, you know, I think it's not really so much in these sort of stages about um, switching off, but it's just about changing the focus because, you know, you've got to uh, be very aware of things uh, all the time uh, in the Tour de France. You know, anything can happen, and you've got to be maintaining all the time uh, you know, good position in that bunch. If there's a, a crosswind section, or you know, there's a crash in the bunch and it ends up splitting, and you're a favourite and you're in that second part, you can be sure that um, you know all those favourites that are in the front part are gonna you know make it as difficult as possible uh, for that race to to regroup. So, gotta stay at the front, gotta stay focused, and particularly coming into those finishes, you know, we've seen some nasty uh, spills coming into the into the sprints this first week and none of those guys that are gunning for GC uh, want to get caught behind any of those splits after those crashes and, and lose time to their rivals.
0: What happens recovery-wise, like between, stage, say, Stage 5 and Stage 6, these big teams? How, when they get off their bike and they get back on the team bus and go away, what what happens in the sort of, what would it be, twelve? Fourteen hours between getting off the bike and having to get back on it to prepare them for for like Pagaccha, how did they reprepare him to make that assault on stage six?
3: Yeah,
2: you know, I, you know, when you get to those first big big mountain stages, you know, one of the things you know we always sort of think that we're going to, um, you know, that's going to be the set pattern when we see on that first big mountain stage for for the rest of the tour. But you know, often these guys, you know, they'll take a, a day to sort of wake the body up. Um, well obviously they're, you know, they've already been going pretty hard for a week. but you know to get into those, that rhythm of riding you know those 30 or 35, 40 minute efforts on those long, on those long climbs, so that how, that's how long uh, many of those big climbs can be. So uh, I, I think you know, looking back at what we saw stage five, it was just much, uh, you know getting accustomed to you know, getting those long, longer, um, more consistent efforts in, in him adapting to that, um, as they go into the rest, rest of the race. But, I mean, to answer your question, you know, recovery and sort of, you know, these guys, you know, they're both extraordinary athletes, both, both very capable athletes that always run at similar levels. And really from now on, it becomes like who has, who, who recovers the best, who has the best recovery protocol. And that process starts, you know, as soon as they, they get in, uh, off the, off the bike, in the bus. You know, the, the chef would have prepared food for them in the bus. Um, that food will be measured out according to uh, the output of that day. And, uh, you know, that'll be staged uh, as they head to, all the way through to dinner about um, about what they're eating, uh, you know, the types of food, the timing of that food. Uh, and then it goes into the, the physical recovery of things such as you know ice, ice bars, massage, um, compression wear, all those sorts of stuff. So, you know, you got to you got to throw everything at it. But you know, these guys have been uh, the cutting edge of, of that science all the time, and uh, and trying to improve on on that stuff uh, from year to year. Do you sleep well when
0: you're on the tour?
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, obviously, what what we've learned is, you know, sleep is definitely one of the most important things um, in in aiding recovery and. You know, although you get really, really exhausted, uh, particularly as you get towards the end of the Tour de France, you know, yeah, that fatigue becomes so deep that sleep often becomes real difficult. So, you know, having regular sleeping patterns and a, a good amount of sleep is is certainly uh, certainly critical.
0: So, what sort of time do the team go to bed? Because I think they start. You start about midday, eleven o'clock in the morning, France time. What time's bedtime for the team, or is it all different for different cyclists?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, some guys generally find you know that they don't really need um, as much sleep as, as others. But you know, kind of what shifts every day is uh, within a couple of hours as the start time uh, of the stages in the tour. Generally, they've always tried to time them so that the finish time for TV purposes is, is around five o'clock. So if you've got a shorter stage, you might start at one. A longer mountain stage, you might be starting sort of at half past ten. Um, but, you know, they have to try and... Um, I think the, the main thing is about keeping things regular and, um, you know, they often have the guys rooming together and, uh, you know, try and pair those guys up that, you know, sort of have similar habits, similar patterns and are and not too disruptive uh to each
0: other. And I remember I talked to you about this when we did our podcast and, and I said, how do you just jump on the bike the next day after you just broken yourself and you said, oh, you, you just do. And you rung me in the car about an hour later and said, I've been thinking about that. And, and you said, without being egotistical or anything, I've just always been fit. It's just what I. It's what these guys always do, is just break themselves day after day after day. So while me watching is going, how do you do that? Because I couldn't, mm-hmm. but it's what you guys do every day.
2: Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I mean, humans are extraordinary. You know, when when we train and, and, and set our mind to something, it's incredible what we can make ourselves do. And, you know, to be, you know, to speak from the heart, I think you know there's, there's many days on these grand tours and the Tour de France where, as an athlete, and you know, I'm sure Podgkar and Vingegaard are going to be the same. You know, no one probably expresses it, but you know, you roll off that start line at kilometre zero on stage 17. You know, you've got four or five mountain passes ahead of you, <laughs> and you're thinking about how your legs feel, and you go, you're going to yourself inwardly boy, boy, I am in trouble today. There's no way these legs are going to be able to get me to the finish um, at the front of this race, or in my case, in the time cut, <laughs> if it was a mountain stage. But, um, you know, you, you you ride into the race, everyone's in the same boat, and, you know, as you get more experience, you realise that that's just the nature of the racing. And, you know, you've got to at least get to the start line, uh, get out there and let the body warm up and, you know, realise that everyone's in the same boat. Po- same same place, and it's a tough event, and that's just what it does to people when it becomes a mental game.
0: So we've got a sprint stage tonight, as I mentioned earlier. Um, I think Cavendish is going to have a real red hot go because he's one of those sprinters that's going to be battling cut off times, as you say, when they hit the mountains again. Big opportunity for him tonight.
2: Yeah, I think he's got he's got two two stages sort of in a row these next two days, and then it's pretty slim pickings uh, until they get to Paris. Um, so remember, Cavendish is going for that all-time record of Tour de France stage, told, uh, where he's equal with Eddie Merck at the moment, but he needs that one more stage. Um, we've seen that Philipson, um has been pretty dominant in the, in the sprints. He's had uh, an extraordinary um, lead-out partner there with uh, Matthew Vanderpoel, who's worn the yellow jersey and won stages in the Tour de France himself. So they're really a, a formidable pairing in the sprints so far. So work, Cav's going to have his work cut out there, but uh, you know he's a Cav, Cav's a battler. He's been around for many years, and uh, we've seen he's been he's been around the mark. So he's definitely not uh, not out of it in, in these sprints. And you know as I said last week, and I'll say it again, uh, I think he's going to do it. He's going to um, get that record at some stage during this tour of
0: Brilliant. Jules, I'm absolutely loving it, and our regular catch-ups as well. It's giving everything as it does seem to, year in, year out. The Tour de France is such a spectacle of of landscape, but just the athletic endeavour from these guys just keeps blowing me these way. These midgets, these tiny little men with hearts the size of lions, it's just, it's just incredible.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. It's, and it's always another thing I, I say to people, you know, it's uh, – the extraordinary thing about the Tour de France was that uh, the only only sport uh, in the world where you know someone that weighs thirty kg thirty kgs less than you can really take it to you. Uh, it's always <laughs> interesting. Yes, brilliant,
0: Jules, We'll catch up next week.
2: <laughs> okay. Cheers. Thanks for the call, Steph.
0: I'm actually in agreement with uh, Julian Dean. I think Mark Cavendish is going to win a sprint stage. Started that interview. He was paying thirteen dollars to win tonight. He's now paying eleven maybe tonight. and I agree, he's probably the favourite to win tonight. He's dollar ninety one. in fact, to win the stage tonight. And then all the other sprinters, Caleb Ewan, uh, Fabio Jacobson, Mark Cavendish is one, two, three, four, fifth favourite. It's worth a lazy five, I think, just at the 11th. Um, I'm keen to hear your feedback on the All Blacks. I know the other shows, I haven't been able to listen to them actually, been flat out this morning, but that starting side, lots of comment about Bowden Barrett at 15. Um, people seem to be 50-50 on that. Should be Sean Stevenson. This is the opportunity to blood these guys. Have a look at Cam Roygaard. Have a look at Sean Stevenson. I thought Roygaard would at least make the bench. Uh, Caleb Clark gets a start. Um, hasn't been at his best for a long time. Maybe this is his chance to prove that he's, he's ready to go again. Big fan of Imani Narawa getting a start. Do like that. Uh, Mac in the 10 jersey. You can't complain. He's not saying Damien McKenzie's better than Richie Maunga. He just wants to have a look at Damien. He's been out of the All Blacks for over a year. Artie and Sam both playing. Shannon Frizel gets the six jersey. I was hoping Sam Apinifino would make an appearance. That's just personally. But hey-ho. Uh, Scott Barrett and Josh Lord. So it's, I'd imagine it's been a long time since we didn't have... Scott Barrett, uh, sorry, um, Brady Retallick or Sam Whitelock locking a scrum and then Lomax Coles, the group, big fan of Dane Coles. 36 years old, Dane Coles. I like that he's got the start. Keen on your feedback, 0800 150 811 is the number. We'll have midday madness after the news. You can talk about the Tour de France we can talk about the All Blacks. In fact, you can talk to me about anything. Give us a call.
1: Well, listen, buster, you better start to move your feet.
0: To the rockin' speed of madness. We're back on track, we've just gone 1230, we go straight to the phones, 0800-150-11 and we go to Darren and notti.
4: Hey Stephanie. how are you? I'm good, mate. How are you doing? Mate, I've got to warn you. Go I'm on. Uh, firing on all I'm firing on all cylinders today. After a nice, nice uh, bottle of a reaper oh, this morning. There you so are. A bit of brain juice. <laughs> I heard you yesterday, and I I must admit, I said to my wife, "I've got to get go a cold and find this bloody thing, or I'm going to look like a goose." So, <laughs> but um, it's actually quite nice.
0: <laughs> it is, isn't it? And you're doing your body yeah. good.
4: Apparently, yeah. I, I've warned the people, the staff in the office. I said, "Careful. Today's the day. It's going to be." <laughs> going to be humming. (laughs) Nice. So, uh, yeah, so God knows what will happen. But, yeah, anyway. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think we're going to put faith in the coaching staff. They they see these guys train. They see where they're at. They see how much ball they're dropping. They're seeing how well they're taking in the systems. And they're picking guys that they believe are going to do the job on Sunday morning for us. Mm. I think we've got to put faith in them, albeit... For me, I just want—I don't want us to go out and play bland, all-black rugby. I want us to go out and play the brand of rugby that we sh- we should be playing. I don't mind who does it. Um, so that's that's all I'm hoping for on Sunday. I'm not hoping to be you know blown off the park like it's first test, but I would like to see us you know just show some real signs of what's to come.
0: I don't think we'll see bland with dmac in the ten.
4: Well, that'd, that'd be great. And I, I agree. He's been the most informed number 10 in the comp. Mm. So, I mean, has played well, but the Chiefs beat him twice. I mean, they couldn't do it the third time. But, yeah. And Sean Stevenson, I, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I'd rather have a specialist fullback all day of the week. I don't know why we need three number 10s in the 23. I just don't get it. So, yeah. Yeah, no. That's a big I... question mark.
0: I th- I do think like I have to put- I have to put my hand up and say I'm not as good an All Black selector or All Black coach of the guys that are there. Are they the best? That's open for debate. But hey, they're in there to do the job. They've done the job. They've picked the team. I'll get up on Sunday. I'll watch it and I'll cheer and I hope we win and I hope we look awesome.
4: Yeah, that's that's all I'm I'm hoping for and I'd I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to be wrong. I mean, but they see him at training. So they know they know where they're at. Yeah. So Sean Stevenson could be amazing and he is an amazing super rugby player. He might not just quite be there yet. Mm. So, you know, we've got to put faith in him. And if it's not Fozzie, I mean, his assistants, they are quality. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see. It'll be be an interesting chat on Monday, I think.
0: Yes, it will. I'm looking forward. We might just leave two hours open for talk back. (laughs) Good night, Darren.
4: Cheers, buddy. buddy. See See you,
0: mate. Uh, We go down to Dunedin, I think that is. Yes, it is. It's Dino.
5: Well, mate, I think obviously... The TAB paying out top eight for the Warriors. They wanted to get that money back on picking the All Black team because no one got that. No, <laughs> no one, no one got that. So they've got a little bit back, I reckon. But oh, I don't know. Like I, I got. I mean, I don't like betting against the All Blacks, but I like chasing the money. And at a dollar twenty, whatever. I'm not rich enough to put heaps on, so I jumped on Australia and uh, Argentina. At twenty bucks and by the time I got it it was eighteen because it changed just as I was pushing the ten dollars except. Now it's down to thirteen. So I don't know, like that that honestly mate, that's rubbish. That back line is just I don't know. Like Bowden at fifteen, he's openly said he doesn't want to play there a couple mm. of years back. After mm. he tried to get in the road of um Lamarpe, that was his fifteen career finish. He hated it. Well, it would have been out forever if if Tokioho didn't slip over for the Chiefs because he'd overcooked that as well and he was just going to get absolutely hammered. He couldn't possibly stop him. But Tokioho fell over. That saves his life. But he doesn't want to play 15. He can't defend in the jersey. He's not... And we don't want him getting smashed. We need him in the grandstand for when Mwanga gets hurt or Damien gets hurt when the Argentinians try and go through there like a curry. But I just don't get it. Like, no-one would have picked that team, right? No-one. The back line, yep, possibly you would have got that. But the forward pack. I mean, I like the look of this, Josh Lord, honestly. And if we're going to go on with Stevenson and you've got to give him a go, we've got nothing to lose. So I kind of like that. But Bowden-Barrett-Palm, 15, when you've got a quality 15 that I believe would start for every other team in the world, bar France, I just don't get it. And we had nothing to lose by giving him a go. We're going to go into, possibly go into South Africa at home, 1-0 down, and then do they give him a go? Like, how much pressure is there against the South African A side? We're not playing the B side. The Wallabies are playing that this week. It's just... Do, you, do, do you
0: remember, rightly or wrongly, Sean Stevenson actually is only in there as injury cover. He's actually not in the official squad. So I don't think he'll be in that full squad unless... Will Jordan, Bowden Barrett unless a back is fully injured out of the tournament. So uh, because he was injury cover, it didn't really surprise me he wasn't picked. Not saying I agree with it. And the other thing there are a lot of semi-newbies in there. Um, Maybe he just didn't want to put too many newbies in there.
5: No, I I still don't get it because when Will Jordan was injured out of it and we hope that comes right, I thought and it was just a thought, I haven't read it anywhere, that Stevenson was then put in this squad. They could pick him if they wanted to. It just doesn't make sense. Like, he's mm. there, why have him there if you can't pick him? That's just ridiculous. Like, everyone in New Zealand wants to see him have a go. Two years of Super Rugby being outstanding at fullback. I'm not saying he's better than Will Jordan, but Will Jordan's not there at the moment. But when you look at that team, I honestly think if Will Jordan was fit, he'd be on the right wing. And that would irritate me even more.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we, I want to see Will Jordan and I want to see Sean Stevenson. I, I, I want to see them.
5: I'll put Sean Stevenson on the right wing if we've got... We need tall timber. Bowden Barrett, I mean, Geordie Barrett was a very good fullback, but he's a bit clyde when it comes to attack. He's yes. steady ass. Yes. But he's a wee bit Clyde He doesn't have that freaky see a hole, run through the hole... Like he looks like he's running slow when he's running reasonably fast. But Will Jordan, Stevenson, Damian McKenzie, Bowden Barrett too, when that Enrico, look god forbid, when he's on the wing going down Twicking him, everyone in New Zealand watching thought, Here we go. Can we just leave him there? Mm. But no, we'll put him at thirteen so the outside backs won't get the ball anyway. So it just it, surely this has got to be the last chance he gets at thirteen. You got Enor in the reserves. I hope he's on after twenty minutes in will get
0: on. I think all the reserves will get a crack. I do, I do think they'll all get a crack. Um, but you're still looking forward to the match, aren't you, Dino?
5: Oh, hell yeah. I hate work, Steffi. I hate work <laughs> with fashion. Like, I just do it so I can afford some beers to watch the damn thing. But, yeah, it, anno- it just annoys me, though. It just annoys me. Like, I don't- Foster's got nothing to lose.
1: He's gone anyway.
5: Like these guys say in the coaches, no, we're the things are, if you know, they've got to get rid of him, but they don't want to pay him a million bucks to go watch his daughter play football. I don't know why. Mm. He should be supporting her and give us a break. Razor wouldn't pick that team. There's no way. No way. Mm. All right, buddy. Enjoy your weekend, though. Oh, well, I think the Warriors, they've got a – it's a good weekend. Like I asked a mate, he, he, he supports doesn't matter. And I said, well, <laughs> who's good in their team that's not in the state of origin? And he said, they've got three. So the Warriors, they need to win, and I don't think they can. Mm. I can see them getting a, a very good ninth. But the TAB got their money back by the selection of that all-black team. Bloody hell. <laughs> Dane Coles, really? I love Colesy. That's oh. mm. All right, mate. Good on you, Dino. You
0: we'll take one more right. before the break. We go to Joey in Get G'day, Joey.
1: Yeah, go, Sammy. Look, yeah, oh, I tend to agree with Dino, mate. You know, I, I mean, I just can't, can't fathom why Stevenson's not in there. You've got Will Jordan who's crock. You're able to pick him. He's gone over there. Bowden Barrett has not played uh, fullback for the Blues this season, I don't think. He's gone back and forth when he's been playing at 5'8. He's not uh, our number one, number two, number three fullback. So you don't pick him. He's our third best first 5'8 at the moment. Don't get me wrong, I'm not getting that um, going on and getting that um, Bowden Barrett. He's been fantastic. But you've, you know, you've got to cop, cop criticism when you're not playing well, or, or when you are, you know. And he doesn't want to play there as well. So why, why pick him? If Foster's going, uh, he's just making a run for his own back. Because I think uh, the way the, the sides picked, I think Argentina can beat us fast. You know, and, and Stevenson's got to get a go. If you want to see a guy that's going to step up from Super Super Sixteen, you've got to give Stevenson a go. Otherwise emails will go to rugby league. I tell you what, he he emails that have a drink with Nico Hines. <laughs> you know why? Because Nico Hines has been shit on. And yeah. at the moment is getting shit on. That's how I see it. Mm. I mean I can't believe that you you've got to give a guy a go. And and Bone Barrett is not an out and out football. We we all know that. And that's nothing against Bone Barrett. They've put him there to to adjust so oh we need him in the side. I'm sorry. You uh, if you had Dan Carter and you had Grant fox. You pick one of them, and the other guy misses out. And that's how it is, um, you know. And I just can't, I, I just can't see the feathering of, of 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 having him, um, having Stevenson there, if you're not going to pick him. Well, I mean, how would you feel if you were Stevenson? You're going well. Will Jordan's gone gone down. He's injured or he's got uh, problems with his, uh, you know, with his headaches and, that, and I hope he comes right. Um, but he's not going. Oh, I must be getting a chance. Oh, surely I must get a chance to have a go. Maybe against Argentina uh, out of any of the sides. And then they go, oh, no, we're picking Bodie. you got to forward. It's, like, it's like picking uh, Matthew Ridge and the Kiwis at 5'8. Yeah. yeah, don't get me wrong. He could probably do a good job. But he's not an out and out 5'8. He's a fullback. You know, Sam, I don't know what you think.
0: Yeah, look. I'm with you. Like, sometimes you just have to have people right outside the 23, and that's not saying they're a bad player, but it's a 23-man game. And for Sean Stevenson, with Will Jordan not there, for Sean Stevenson to still do not be in the team, that one irks me a little bit, uh, more than a little bit. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, and, and, and
1: you know we're talking about uh, Rico Iwani. But Foster is going to keep Rico Iwani... At, the, in, at centre. Because everyone's gone, oh, he... because what the problem we've done in the past, staff, is we've gone, oh, Tana Umanga was a winger. Oh, we'll bring him in the centre. Oh, he can be a real good centre. Yes, he was one of the guys that became a real good centre. And he was able to adapt. Rico Iwani is uh, not a bad centre, but sometimes when he gets in the clear, um, he... He A lot of centres will, will, will set up their wingers. Sometimes he doesn't. And that's nothing against him. It's just the, the natural way he plays. You know, I'm not knocking him for that. But, um, you know, our best centres, like Bruce Robertson, fantastic, unbelievable guy, would set up his outsides, wouldn't even hesitate to um, take take on the fullback, just draw the fullback back back. The, the, the ball beat the man every day. The ball will beat the man every day, Stan. Mm. and I just can't believe it but you know and
0: that's what it is and I just hope they don't do this with the mighty turbos Go the mighty turbos Staff I hope the, I hope the
1: coach doesn't
0: do this with the turbos mate oh, He won't He won't He's not allowed He's not allowed he have me to answer to Joey we've got a scoot Good chatting buddy
1: okay, thanks, mate.
0: Let's have a quick break I'll get to your text after that um, Dino's just uh, after his phone call he's obviously turned the radio on and he's got the farming show um, so on the actual radio, actually, I was talking to Dean, but he can't hear me. Uh, on the radio, we're going into Auckland and Wellington. But on our app, you can choose either the farming show or this show. So if anyone knows Dean in Dunedin, tell him that. Tell him that. <laughs> Sorry, Dean. Um, where are we? Uh, staff, I really like the 23. A couple of new guys and Mackenzie at 10. Let's hope Fozzy plays him there right through to the final. Same with Bowden. Only Tamir, Sammy T, Lock and Ritalik. Who's Sammy T? Oh, Sam, Samasone. Toki Okay. Uh, Whitelock and Ritalik come into the top 23. Bring it on! Guess who? Ken. Fantastic. Um, if I was Webster at the Warriors, I'd be making a phone call to Sean Stevenson. Wayne Bennett might be. He's already. Had, was it Dolphins he went to? Was it Penrith? No, it was Dolphins. It was Wayne Bennett at the Dolphins he went and spent some time with. Um, Staffy, sounds like Rico was covering 12 if there's injury to Geordie, if that happens. Imagine that. Cheers, Ken. Okay, let me imagine that. Adequate is the word that comes to mind. Adequate. Anton Leonard Brown, please stay healthy. Anton Leonard Brown, please stay healthy. That is my request. I'm, I'm cautiously looking out the window waiting for Zaid, and Zaid's there to walk through because he's going to be on in eight minutes and I haven't seen them. Are they sitting outside anywhere? No, I can't see them. I can't see them. Um, Hodgie says, big ups to you guys. I think it's great you guys have people like Zaid On your show, it'll be special to him. It's special to all of us, Hodgie. He's a great man. Great young man, Zaid, And he's very in-depth with his analysis. I always learn something when I hear from our life member, Zaid. Lydia Ko, at the moment, is down in the 40s. Um, She had that horrific quadruple bogey on a par three to go with two birdies. Uh, So she's two over at the moment. And just finishing their first practice round, supercars in Townsville. Of course, Shane Van Van Gisbergen was all the talk earlier this week. He's third fastest in the first practice behind Will Brown and Todd Hazelwood are the first two but it's just the first practice so um, there'll be some more stuff coming up today but uh, I'll have a break and I'll preview what's coming up in the next couple of hours after that great news great news the life member has arrived actually I'm gonna have a quick chat to you now Zade put his mic on uh, Robinho look me and the listeners have been worried about you Zaid. you've been playing hard to get this week yeah you've been sick
6: a little bit sick yeah like, real sick? Just a bit of a dodgy stomach, but...
0: Have you been listening to the station? Yeah. You've been too sick to get out your phone and send the show a text just so we know you're okay? Uh,
6: maybe, sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk to Zaid very, very shortly about UFC. What number is it, Zaid? Uh, UFC 290 International Fight Week. In Las Vegas. Yeah, Nevada. M- Nevada. Um, and it's a heck of a card. So we're just going to unleash Zaid, Of course, the, the feature... Uh, fight is Alex Volkanovsky. yeah, who B man thinks it's going to go the full distance and Volk will win on points. So don't 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 shoot your shot yet, Zayd. Don't tell us what you think is going to happen because I don't want to steal from the next half hour after Zayd, the life member. We've heard back from uh, Jeremy Paul. He is going to join us at two o'clock for the Jeremy Paul show. We'll also have uh, Robinho's Wimbledon wrap after Zayd and Crystal Hackett drove four winners at Cambridge Harness last night. Big couple of hours to go, but the Life Member in person, in studio, after Johnny Max News. Radio, UFC o'clock. Two and a half minutes past UFC o'clock, UFC two ninety, Las Vegas, Nevada. And we have our expert comments, our analyst, our life member, Zayd White. No relation to Dana, Zaid? Nah. No. You'd step him out the way. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, gosh, there's so many good matchups on this card, Say, Like, some people are saying it's the biggest card of the year. What do you reckon?
6: Yeah, it's a pretty good card.
0: Yeah. Volk, do, should we start? We, we normally work our way through and finish on the big dog. Should we start on the big dog today?
6: Okay, yeah, sounds good. Okay, so, so
0: what does Volk have to do to win?
6: So, we've got Alexander Volkan, uh, Volkanovsky versus. Um, Yaya yeah, yeah, Rodriguez from uh Mexico. So Yaya yeah, yeah, Rodriguez was actually on the same card as Volkanovski last time. Obviously Volkanovski went up to lightweight So this fight is for for the um featherweight strap, which obviously bout Volkanovski still hold still holding that, but he went up to try and get a second belt in lightweight against Alec, uh, against obviously Sorry, Islam Mukachev. Mm. So he went up that he went up and fought him. It Was actually a real good fight. Went to decision. Some people actually think that um, Volkanovski won, but I did. Um, ju- just just lo- just lost, but um, obviously. Um, Makachev had the bout, so I guess that's maybe kind of, maybe the judges kind of thought, he was, you know, kind of out grappling him a bit, but he wasn't really doing much when he was taking Volkanovski down, like, there wasn't too many tight submissions, um, this guy is actually another grappler who Volkanovski's fighting this weekend, um, Rodriguez from Mexico, um, so yeah, yeah, Rodriguez has actually got the interim featherweight bout, because Volkanovski um, didn't fight at featherweight last time, they gave, um, yeah, yeah, Rodriguez. They gave him an interim belt, so he fought um, Josh Emmett, and he won the um, interim belt. Okay. So yeah, he's got the interim belt. So, so if it, you
0: leave your division and go up, you lose the one you left behind.
6: No, no, no. So what they do is they make another belt. Oh, that's yeah.
0: expensive. <laughs>
6: yeah. So that's <laughs> that's called an interim belt. Remember when Ezra Adesanya beat? Yes, I do. Calvin Gastelum. Yep. So yeah, they gave him an interim belt.
0: Oh, okay, so who's your pick and how?
6: Volkanovski by knockout. Bang
0: I think you're a fan of knockouts and that's why you pick them. Do you 100% think
6: Volk can knock out Rodriguez? Yeah, he's got great hands. Um, I think the – prob. I mean, uh, it's not a problem, but what um, Volkanovski's got to watch out for is his grappling. I've heard he's had Craig Jones and who is pretty much one of the best grapplers in the world. Um He's um, from Australia, and he'll be in his corner. Um, actually, Volkanovski left a bit earlier to go and watch Craig Jones do a jiu-jitsu match on um, UFC Fight Pass. Okay. Um, and he bet the number one grappler in the world, pretty much. One of the best ever grapplers. So, yeah, Craig Jones is an absolute beast on the um, uh, map in uh, Bra- Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So I reckon that, um, yeah. Well, I, I, Vol- Volkanovski shows that he can... Um, He's hard to submit. Um, when he fought Brian Ortega, he had some massive triangle um, attempt chokes on him, but um, no one could get around Volkanovski because um, he's, so, he's so fit because he he used to play rugby league and he was like hundred kgs and now he fights at like sixty five kgs.
0: Jeez, I need to talk to his dietitian, mate.
6: Shapers. <laughs> he's gone from a prop to a halfback. Yeah, because he's he fights at one hundred and forty five pounds. Hundred forty
0: five pounds is about sixty five kilos. Geez, your yeah. math is faster than me, mate. <laughs> You're a bloody savant, right?o Brandon Moreno and yep. uh, Pantoja, which sounds like a French dessert, but he's tougher than a French dessert.
6: Yeah, um, I'm. I'm a big fan of um, Brandon Moreno, uh, Mexican beast. Um, he's he's into some different things. He likes his Lego. Apparently, he's into his Pokemon cards. How uh, can you like him then? <laughs> Come um, on, mate. Lego <laughs> and Pokemon. What's he
0: like? <laughs> and Funko Pops. He's got all like Harley Davidsons <laughs> and stuff
6: like that. And eating glass.
0: Oh, he's, go Pantoja. And he's, he
6: said he's not really too much into the smack talk. He's a bit chilled. Um, but he's actually lost to Pantoja twice. Um, so he lost to him in Ultimate Fighter. I'm not sure what number Ultimate Fighter it was, but he lost to him in Ultimate Fighter. I think Pantoja won that ultimate fighter and then he's lost to him on the prelims. But obviously Brandon Moreno has had a four-fight trilogy with um, Davison Figueroa. Figueredo. Um, Obviously Moreno won the bout, then lost the bout and now he's got the bout back again. So um, the flyway, flyweight bout's gone around a bit. He obviously had a fight against Kaikar France. Absolutely blew, brutal knocked him out um, with a kick to the um, solar plex. And obviously um, Widowmaker just, yeah, kicked him. And um, kaikar wasn't too good for Kaikar France. But I think um, Brandon Moreno is probably my second um, favourite fighter in flyweight behind um, Kaikar France. I reckon... Um, I think Brandon Moreno is going to get it done this time, but I think he'll do it by decision. Oh no, knockouts! Nah, have I got going, to you? Have I? He's going to do it by decision this time. Robert Whitaker. Uh now I, I I'm, I'm, com- I'm so confident in this fight. Drewkless Duplicy is going to get knocked all the way back to South Africa. <laughs> he is getting absolutely hammered. He's got his um his cardio is not good enough. I don't think he's going to last. He um so he fought Darren Toole from Liverpool, and uh, I mean Darren Toole. I mean, it was a good fight, but um, Duplessis hit so much he nearly knocked himself out. <laughs> he was hitting so much.
0: Um, Answer me this: side we were talking in the office. Say if there was no such thing as Israel Adesanya, if he never existed, yeah, Robert Whitaker, unbeatable.
6: Yeah, he's a great fighter.
0: Is it just that Izzy the losses he's had to Izzy is that that's what's damaged his record?
6: Um, yeah, but uh, what I would actually like to see. I know it won't happen, but I would actually like to see if Whitaker wins this fight, Mm -hmm. instead of fighting under I know it has to happen because they've already booked it for Sydney, but what I would want to see is him versus Strickland, number one contender who wins that fight, if Izzy, because if Strickland and Izzy fought... Um, if ever the, the the um the smack talk would just not stop. Have you ever have you watched <laughs> Sean Strickland? Yeah, bro, he just goes on about the most random stuff. If he wasn't a fighter, he'd be in jail right now. He would not be fighting. He's lucky he's a UFC fighter because he'd have some problems. But,
0: big problems. But he's
6: he's a great guy though, right? <sighs>
0: Just a tremendous bloke, Dan the Hangman Hooker. um, He hasn't got it. Now, let me finish, Sade. I'm the host (laughs) here. Now, let me finish. Dan Hooker's had 12 losses, and I think a lot of those losses are because a lot of people dodge the top opponents. Dan says yes to everyone. He doesn't dodge. He goes, you can't find a fight for him? I'll fight him. Let me have a crack. And he's had a few losses. How does he... I'm desperate for him to win against Turner.
6: Um, It's going to be a hard fight. Obviously, Jalen is a tall man, six foot three. Um, his nickname's a tarantula. Um, so <laughs> has he got
0: hairy legs or something? <laughs>
6: <laughs> apparently, he's um, four and one out of his last, obviously, five fights. I think he lost. Is it? Um, I think he lost by decision to Mateus Gamrot last fight. Right. I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, that was his last. That was his most recent fight. But yeah, he's a pretty good fighter. I think the rankings are similar. I think it's like 12 v 11 maybe. But I think they're similarish in the rankings.
0: Okay, I'm just looking at the TV. I've actually got Dan Hooker's yeah. paying over three bucks.
6: Yeah, massive underdog.
0: Oh, does that mean I'm just hoping beyond realism? But Do- then
6: if you look at Volkanovski and Whitaker, they're like massive favourites. Yeah, they are. They're like a twenty each.
0: What's your favourite fighter of the other ones that are left?
6: The other ones that are left? Mm. I, ex- I reckon there's a great fight to watch. I think it's going to end pretty early. Is this guy from Perth, Jack Della Maddalena? He just absolutely hammers dudes. Jack.
0: De- oh, here. Yeah, from
6: Perth, yeah.
0: Against Josiah Harrell, who you and I have never heard of. Jack Della Maddalena. How but, many.
6: Yeah, look at this first. Does it have first round knockouts?
0: Um. Look, let, let me be, let me be your mouse and computer. Uh, Maladana by knockout is one thirty-six knockout in round one. It's only a dollar fifty, Yes.
6: Is
0: it going to be lights out in seconds?
6: I think so. Yeah. Did
0: he just come out like a mad dog, like um, <laughs> tai Vasa? Is that what he does? <laughs> what weight division are they?
6: I think they're like, is it lightweight or welterweight? I'm not sure.
0: And he's a spark knockout guy at that yeah, lightweight. Yeah, from Perth. Wow. All right, so let's review your picks. Uh, oh,
6: and another fight quickly I want to go on to is, um, we've got to talk about him quickly, is um, Rufus Robbie Lola is retiring against Nico Price. Um, he's 41 years old, and he's um, having his uh, last fight in the Octagon um, on Sunday. Um, apparently, his one of his best ever fights was against um, Rory McDonald, and I think he's a welterweight Robbie Lola, but... Um, yeah, a lot of fighters, um, say, a lot of fighters, um, yeah, like the guy, but obviously it's, um, has time to go. Um, A lot of
0: these older guys get given their last fight from Dana and they put the gloves in the middle of the octagon, but most of them lose their last fight.
6: Yeah, yeah, they do.
0: 41, he's nearly as old as me, Zayden, I can't even (laughs) imagine going in the octagon.
6: Oh, and there's another Aussie, apparently a rematch as well, um... Uh, Jimmy Crew is, uh, against Alonzo Minif- Menifield as well. I think he's light heavyweight.
0: Jeez, you're telling the story, mate. I can't. Yeah, I can't j- keep up with you.
6: Yeah, Jimmy Crew's fighting. So there's, I think there's about five Aussies on there. Shannon Ross. There's quite a few. All yeah. right, when
0: and Izzy's next fight? Is how far away?
6: Uh, I think it's Sydney in September.
0: Sydney. So how are you going to just cope with your life until he fights?
6: Um, just watch other fights
0: just get viruses and don't ring the show is that what you're going to do <laughs> alright let's just do a little um, recap then I have to get back up my UFC 60 so I'll, I'll say the fight and you say who wins and how Okay, okay. Volkanovski Rodriguez
6: Volkanovski by knockout
0: knockout Moreno Fantoja
6: Moreno by decision
0: right Whitaker Duplicy
6: Whitaker knockout Se- uh, second round
0: Hooker, Turner,
6: Hooker by decision.
0: Honestly, yeah. Zayd, honestly,
6: by points. Just because you like him, or you actually think that's going to happen? I reckon he's got it.
0: Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk about this one. What is it? Woodburn Nickel. Oh,
6: um, yeah, he's a great uh, wrestler. Um, I'll go in, um, by s- submission. By submission. Yeah.
0: All right, and last thing. Last thing, not UFC because you're a big rugby man. Yeah. If all of the All Blacks are fit, yep. so we know who the All Black squad is, all of the All Blacks are fit, I've got, who pl- Who should he pick at fullback?
6: Who should he pick at fullback? Yep. Uh, Bowdoin Barrett. Really? Yeah, Bowdoin Barrett. We
0: found one, New Zealand. We found one that likes Bodie at 15. Okay. Who should he play
6: on the wings? Who should he play on the wings? Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're fit Mark Talia and will Jordan.
0: Nice. who should he play at center Rico really
6: yeah Rico all day
0: okay give me half back first five
6: um Aaron Smith mm. and Richie Mawanga.
0: not D Mac uh,
6: Richie Mawanga, yeah
0: Mac on the bench
6: yeah D- covers he, everything he covers first five and fullback yeah
0: And because Cameron Suafu is not there who do you think by the end of the year, will be the All Blacks' best number six.
6: Best number six. Um, This is the hardest position, I reckon. Mm. I want to see Sammy Penny Fienau. So do I. Or can Akira get back in there from the um, second team, maybe? Look, he could. Um, I don't know, Shannon It's There's there's no really strong six. I was saying a Smithy, I think I called him yesterday. Did you call Smithy (laughs) and not me? Did you call Smithy and not me? (laughs) You okay. were, I think you were doing an interview yesterday and then I forgot to call at 12 o'clock. Are you a life
0: member of Smithy's show? <laughs> no. No. Okay, carry on. Okay. A- and when I, you called Smithy yesterday
6: and didn't call me, what
0: did you say to him? I Smith? said,
6: do they give Sam Kane a go at 6 and put Dalton on at 7 and go Arty at 8 because <laughs> he's played at 6 before. Okay. But I don't know. Either yeah, six is not not that strong. Or do they go Scott Barrett and give him a go or even Tupou Vai? But I don't know. It's, there's not not really a good six. Okay. But it's hard right now until I see someone play consistently. But since Jerome Cano, they haven't found anyone, really. Liam mm. Squire there for a bit. But Stephen tua was more of an eight or six. But still not really. Jerome Cano has been the last best six we had.
0: Mm. I've got a couple of t- messages coming from the listeners. Zaid? yeah you ready for these yeah UFC we know we know Zaid likes Israel Adesanya who's his second and third favourite fighters
6: second and third favourite fighters um second would be um Dan Hooker yeah and we'll go third with the great Alexander Volkanovsky. Oh, I'll cook him with Volk, mate. <laughs> <laughs> or um, they used to call him Footy, or footy Volk. Footy Volk? Yeah, because he played rugby league. Okay. Apparently how he got into UFC, right? So what he was doing, he was playing rugby league, and in the off-season, he did a, they said, oh, do you want to come and do some boxing? So, and then that's when he quit, he quit rugby league and then turned into boxing and then now he's the UFC and they reckon he's pretty much the greatest UFC fighter they, they've seen. Really? Yeah, they reckon he's, well, they reckon if he bit Makachev, he would have been the best ever pretty much. Wow. If he could have beat Makachev. How much longer do you think? Um... But apparently he's 34 Volkanovsky, so he's, he's starting to come near the end already, but um, this, this, they reckon this Yair Rodriguez isn't going to be an easy, easy test Mm. because of his arm grappling and yeah be a a hard fight
0: Dean has said Luke Jacobson's the best number six eight
6: well he hasn't even been picked so (laughs) put that in your spot (laughs) I don't think oh he has been picked he's in the the
0: squad yeah, yeah he's in the squad
6: maybe isn't he more played eight though
0: yeah, he's, he's, he's concrete. Yep. I think his nickname's Concrete or Cement or something like yeah, that because yeah. he's such a tough rooster. A bit like you, Zade, although you're you softened out this week not even texting <laughs> due, due, with a little virus. Come on, mate. <laughs> you feel better now, though?
2: Yeah.
6: you got a big weekend ahead of you with UFC. Um, couple of all-black tests. You've got the Warriors. Yeah, Warriors. Ra- I think the Raiders are playing the Dragons tonight. Might watch a bit of that. <sighs> 10 o'clock.
0: You're relentless. Yeah. Oh, and someone else wants to know what your favourite
6: sports food is. Pardon? Your favorite sports food. Sports food. Probably some um maybe some chicken burgers. Like plural, more than one. Pardon? Burgers. No, chicken burger, sorry. <laughs> chicken burger and chips. Or um some uh, old um Stephen Donald's favorite. The old um onion onion dip and chips. Nice. Yeah.
0: Anth- Anthony says, I love hearing Zaid on the show. I love the passion and chemistry with you guys. Maybe I just need a permanent co-host. <laughs> Should we push the station for that? <laughs> yeah, that's from Anthony and Rotorua. So you can give Anthony Rotorua a shout-out, Zayd, S- Sounds good, Anthony. <laughs> All right. Um, got to scoot off. We've got to get our um, Rabinio's Wimbledon wrap yep. away. Cheers. Appreciate you coming in, Zayd. And as always, uh, you. have you practised your throw to the ad break? Have you thought about that? Go Volkanovski and go the All Blacks.
6: And go Dan
1: Yeah, boy.
0: Oh, so good to have uh, Zaid in studio. Thank for all the texts to support. Even one from Kempi saying, Staffy, that interview with Zaid was so good. Give him, a, give, him a, give him a slot. He's got a slot. When there's a big UFC card, Kempi, he comes in on the Friday. We give him that big 20, 25-minute gap. Tell you who else has got his own slot is Rabinio with the Wimbledon Rap.
4: You
0: know. kind of funky tennis time now <laughs> tennis time now you a, day, you're, you're a man with a lot of nicknames by the way not really well
7: in the weekends you produce a dude Robbie that's correct on Sundays and, and i
0: here and I call you Robinho that's about it Oh, have we not called you Robert Robaldinho once or something? You're just oh, Robinho. I, th- I think
7: that was just a slip of tongue more than anything. Oh, OK. Robinho, what happened in Wimbledon? Right, another another day of Wimbledon, Steph. Uh, starting off with Stan Vavrinka, who took down uh, Thomas Echeverry of Argentina in four sets. Uh, post-match, he was asked about the prospect of facing a pretty challenging opponent in round three.
8: Enjoy your next round, because it's against Novak Djokovic. <laughs> You played each other 26 times, but not don't on grass. Don't tell me the score. Don't tell not, me. I won't don't tell it. me. <laughs> I wasn't going to, but you Thank haven't you. played each other on grass. What's all well, this surface? Will that make a difference to you?
1: I will enjoy if I don't get <laughs> killed, but uh, <laughs> of course, it's uh, been he has been he has been amazing champion to watch. Like uh, the the way he's playing, it's always uh, special. But uh, yeah, we never play on grass, and I'm uh, I'm. Quite happy to 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 have the chance to play against him on grass at least one time uh, before before I finish uh, playing and uh, it's going to be a big uh, big challenge. Hopefully I can uh, can play a higher level and be competitive with the match. I'm going to like always I did against him try to push uh, to the maximum and we we'll see what's happen.
7: Big match, big uh, match coming up.
1: Did he win
0: the Aussie Open, Stan?
7: He would have at one point. Yeah, I think so.
0: I think he's won one. Yeah.
7: Yeah. Right. Uh moving on we got uh, Grigor Dimitrov who uh, breezed through second round against uh, Ivashka of uh some country. One of the one of the Russian ones he doesn't have a flag. On the website. so oh, yeah, someone <laughs> yeah, from Russia but yeah, not representing yeah, yeah. them. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, three three sets, straight sets. Um, Dimitrov through to the third round, as is Francis Tiafo of America. Like cool. Francis Tiafo. Yes, he's very a, good to he's watch. a big
0: feature in him on Breakpoint yep. uh, on the Netflix series. Yep.
7: Um, so, yeah, he got past Dominic Stricker of Switzerland in straight sets, including a 13-11 tiebreak in the first Ooh, set. Wow. So, yeah, but, um, yeah, good result for Francis Tiafo into the third round. Uh, upset alert, Taylor Fritz was two sets up against Mikael oh. Ima of Sweden. Taylor. And, uh, yeah, 6-3, 6-4, 6-2 in the next three sets against him. And um, he <laughs> is out of the uh, second round, so a bit of a shame for him. My main man, Kasper Rood. Your favourite player? My favourite player. Not good, not oh. good. He uh, lost the first set, 6-4, came back 6-3, 6-4 in the next two sets, but then got beaten 6-3, and then 6-love in the fifth set ran out um, of gas ran out of gas yeah i'm not not exactly sure what happened there but uh yeah here's a here's a clip from liam Brody who uh, who beat rude um post-match
1: it's a
6: nerve-wracking, exhilarating experience. You looked so cool and calm out there. I'm not sure what the heart rate was doing. Yeah. I'm not sure what your family's heart rate was doing either, <laughs> but I think it was pretty high on yeah, both counts. Yeah.
7: Well, I said to my mum this morning, she didn't like watching, I said, look, I've already won 80 grand this week, so you can <laughs> chill out a bit. <laughs> focusing on the money there so yeah a bit more a bit more money for him after beating Kasparud and uh, we'll see how far he goes into the third round now Uh, Alexander Zverev uh, straight sets win over Gij Broer of the Netherlands Uh, good Definitely. Good try. Yeah, I gave it a good go. Um, and then, yeah, a couple of suspended matches, unfortunately. Daniil Medvedev uh, won the first two sets against Adrian Manorino of France. Four all in the third set before uh, play was suspended, so that'll resume tomorrow. As will the big match, Andy Murray taking on Stefano Tsitsipas. Oh, big, Tsitsipas uh, won a tiebreak in the first set. Uh, Andy Murray won a tiebreak in the second set. And then Andy Murray won the third set, 6-4. So he is two sets to one up against the big man Stefanos sitsapas from Greece that is definitely one to watch uh, tomorrow as is Matteo Berrettini taking on Alex De Minaur of Australia in the second round that'll be a huge match to watch uh, over to the woman's side of the draw Victoria Azarenka had a uh, had a good win. As you'll remember she was in my bet that I placed, but it doesn't matter anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but she did win in straight sets, so that that would have counted uh, counted well for my bet. Uh, Jessica Pagula, the fourth seed, uh, also breezed past Bucha of Spain in straight sets. Rubakina. Straight sets over Alice Cornet. That's the winner. Yep. Uh, So she's through to the second round. And Donna Vekic of Croatia took down Sloane Stephens, came Mm. from behind. Uh, Sloane Stephens won the first set and Vekic won the next two. And uh, this this was her post-match.
5: I always said to my team that I think Sloane is one of the Best players in the world, and I think she
4: definitely showed that today. Uh, it was an incredibly tough match t- today, and I, honestly, I I cannot believe I won. See
7: <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of a lot of emotion there, overcoming uh, Donavich of Croatia. We'll see how she goes again. Also onto the third round, and uh, the bi- big match was one to watch. Caroline Garcia taking on Leila Fernandez on the women's side of the draw, and Caroline Garcia did come out with it oh. in the end. It was uh, it went to three sets uh, with a ten six tiebreak in the end in oh. favor of Caroline Garcia, and this is what she had to say. Yeah, it's it's not it's not every day easy, and uh, trying the best we can. And uh, I got some tough battles that I lost uh, earlier in the year, and. Um, uh, so at 6-0 in the third, I was like, okay, it's your turn and try to be aggressive
1: at least. Um, go forward and to just have no regrets, give
7: 100%. So it's, it's good. It brings a lot of good vibes. Good, good vibes. Lesson
0: indeed. in life there. Yeah. When you're up against the wall, you just give it everything you got. Exactly. And it results in good
7: vibes. Yep, it does. And uh, so, yeah, Caroline mm. Garcia also through the third round. We'll see how far she goes. And uh, that was... A big match in the end. Uh, yeah, Caroline Garcia coming out with the result. Big matches to watch on the women's side of the draw. Uh, Sabalinka is in action overnight, as is uh, Pegula once again. Iga Swiatek, the number one seed. And uh, Ons Um one you might not... Uh, have an eye on but I think you should the 14th seed Bencic of Switzerland takes on Lynette of Poland the 23rd seed I think that'll be quite a good match uh, and that is the Wimbledon wrap we'll see uh, quite a big Wimbledon wrap I suppose coming big, up on Monday
0: well, yeah, well I'm not going to make you do all yeah because they've got a lot of catch up to do we'll just feature we'll, we'll hone in on the seeds yeah uh, big upsets and the big seeds that are carrying on. I think so. Sounds good. That's, that's, your, that's your brief for Monday. Uh, we'll take some news with Johnny Mac uh, right now. I'm looking at the TRB website. Why? Because I think, am I crazy? I think Aussie are a pretty good chance against an um, intentionally understrength South African side. I know it's in South Africa. I know it's the first game, but that generally brings the teams closer together. I haven't looked up the weather forecast, but Aussie at 320. Here's the Aussie side, by the way, from fullback Tom Wright, Suliasi Vunavalu, and Marika Korumbete. Wonderful wings. Uh, Lenny Ikitao and Reese Hodge are the midfield, which is interesting. Big fan of Reese Hodge. You can never find his spot in the team, whichever team he plays for. He plays 10, 12, 13 wing and fullback plays everywhere, he's got a monster boot on him. I potentially think that's why he's been picked in there. Halfback first five, he's annoying, but he's effective. Nick White and Quade Cooper. Uh, he's been out injured for quite a while. Um, so that is the backline. Reserve backs, Tate McDermott, uh, Tate McDermott, Samu Karevi and Carter Gordon. Good bench. Backline, absolutely no issues whatsoever. Front row, James Slipper's been named... Now he was under an injury cloud, but he's not even bracketed. So he's been named Alan Alatowa. He uh, great Manawatu man, or two men. He's on the other prop. Dave Parekia is your hooker. Uh, Will Skelton returns uh, and partners Nick Frost in the second row. Tom Hooper, Michael Hooper, and Rob Valatini.
4: Hmm.
0: Ford Reserve. Uh, Jordan Ualesi, Matt Gibbon. Zane Nongor and Richie Arnold. Not so impressed with the reserves for the Wallabies. We'll talk to Jeremy Paul about that soon, but I think that's a viable Australian team to trouble South Africa. And don't forget, we've got the freshness of Eddie Jones, who who's really good at sh- as a short campaign manager. He'll have them completely fizzed up for this. So they're at 320, and the point start is 7.5. The point start is seven and a half. Um, I'm trying to find, uh, have Aussie even named, uh, sorry, South African named their lineup? They have. There's a lot of players missing. A lot of players missing. I can just see a bit of a hijack there, as I can in Mendoza. Not wanting it, but stranger things have happened than New Zealand in their first test match. Having to go to Mendoza where they've never been before. Hostile crowd, not violent. Hostile doesn't mean violent. It means vociferous Argentinian crowd with Michael Checker having their blood boiling, ready to go bang. Um, TRB.kotaRenzid has got all of those head-to-heads and all those point starts if you want to avail yourself of those. Hi, Staffy. This is from Darren in Melbourne. Zaid equals legend. Two exclamation marks. From Dino. I'd really like to see this team. Degroot, Taylor, Lomax... Ritalik Whitelock. Finau, Savia at seven. Jacobson at eight. Smith, McKenzie. Barrett and Enor. Wings, Whanganuku, Stevenson. And Will Jordan at the back. Reserves of... Ryan, Tokiaho, Williams. That's Tamari Williams. uh, Barrett, uh, Va'i... Papali'i, Royguard, Moonga. That's my best. And White Locks the captain. Guys, honestly, oh no, that's an old one. That's an old one. Um, Chris, staff, I'm not going to complain about the team. I'm just going to enjoy the game with a nice big breakfast. And I just hope no one is losing any sleep over the team selection. I think some people are losing sleep. Well, maybe not losing sleep, but having interrupted sleep. I think it's more interrupted sleep, Chris. Um, but geez, something like a forty-one twenty-six or forty-one or thirty-four twelve, something like that. Hopefully, hopefully that will uh, treat us and greet us on Sunday morning. With all the talk about the Aussie must-win attitude, to me, it's just how you're remembered. Chapel, Dyer, Smith are all stained. Give me Crow, Smith, Hadley, Coney, any day of the week. New Zealand athletes and sports people are champions. They're absolute dead set champions. Uh, we'll have a break. Got more texts. So I will get to them all, though. And a lot of support for Zade out there. Lots of them saying they really enjoyed that, as did we. That's why we get them on to preview the big UFC cards. So We'll have a break. We'll come back after that. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent... urgent- and horrifying
1: news story and I need all of you to stop what
4: you're doing and listen
8: what's making news around the world big news
0: I've had more than one message saying they enjoyed the Rabinio Wimbledon rap nicely contained just, lots of information and good use of audio etc a, a lot of praise well it's done
7: Robinho. it's an honour it was a great idea who
0: had that idea
7: yeah, fair enough. I'll give that to you.
0: No, the idea was good. The execution was better. Oh, okay. Right. The execution was better. What's making news, Ravinia? What is
7: making news? Uh, we talked yesterday about the old hot dog eating uh, competition. And as New York has that hot dog eating competition, uh, Florida Keys has a different alternative. The Key Lime Pie Eating Championship oh was goodness. held in Key West. Uh, where Key Lime Pie originated. And it was won by Joshua Mogul, who's a 38-year-old uh, Iowa tire manufacturing manager. Mm. And he uh, he he won the competition. It's a 9-inch pie smothered with whipped cream, uh, and the rules forbid contestants to use their hands. <laughs> so you can, can picture just, what that would be like. That would be uh, so It's like bobbing for apples. Yeah, so he, he consumed it in 3 minutes, 35 seconds, uh, besting 24 rivals in the culmination of Key West's five-day Key Lime Festival.
0: How many pies? One.
7: Yeah, just a one pie.
0: Oh, that's, but that's not a volume thing. It's a technique thing. Yeah. Gotcha.
7: So, do you, you reckon you could do that? That's oh, another well, thing to how, attempt? What's the time? Three and a half minutes. How big's the pie? Nine-inch pie. Yep. All right. Party poppers and key line fires. Right. <laughs>
0: we've got to d- find one of those. Why don't we line up one week? We'll line up oh, five world record world records to yeah, do, and we'll that's do a, one that's a d- really good and we'll idea. call it the World Record Week.
7: You're full of good ideas, Steph. That's that's great. Right, a
0: lot of admin, but yeah, um, yeah. we've got to find. <laughs> we'll figure that out later. We've that's got to it. find five that are breakable. Yeah,
7: yeah, yeah. Right. Um, secondly, mm. concert goers have been a bit extra in showing their love for certain artists, especially, especially recently. Uh, yeah, Taylor Swift is, is a big one, um, for sure. But recently it's uh, it has gotten a bit dangerous, which is unfortunate. And uh, a recent spate of artists being hit by heavier projectiles mm. raises concerns about extreme fan culture and security. Now, not a heavy projectile, but did, did you hear about Pink?
0: I heard someone threw something and she stopped the show.
7: Yeah, so I assume this is the same thing. I um, wouldn't be surprised me. If, uh, wouldn't surprise me if Sam had put it in the What's Making News at some point. But um, someone threw their mother's ashes on stage <laughs> at Pink, which is just raises a lot of questions. I. Mum was a big fan? Or? Yeah, I don't know. It's a bit um, strange. It is very <clears> strange. <throat> but yeah, our country singer Kelsey Ballerini was the latest artist to be struck by a flying object. Uh, Wednesday evening, playing her guitar on stage, she was hit in the eye with a bracelet. So uh, yeah, clearly caught off guard, took a moment, brief intermission was called. Um, and that same day, a rapper cut her show short when fans refused to sh- stop throwing water bottles on the stage. <laughs> Gosh, so yeah, it's... Um,
0: Have I told you my story about... Being at a concert and someone threw something at the band. No, Cold Chisel. Yep. Towed a sound shell, in excess with a support band who were fantastic. Uh, and I was fourteen. I think it was my first proper concert, outdoor sort of concert. I was there with my sister and brother-in-law and um, branded like this with my girlfriend at the time. And um, we were sort of at the back and in the front row, and I think they call it the mosh pit. While Cold Chisel were playing with Jimmy Barnes, the frontman. Um, There was a bunch of guys, all with matching leather jackets and the same emblem on the back of said leather jacket. And one of them threw a full big bot of bottle of beer, the big brown bottles, at the band and hit the guitarist. Hit the guitarist with a full bottle of beer in the chest. Jimmy Barnes, the band didn't stop. Jimmy Barnes took his guitar off, took a few steps back and leapt into the middle of said gathering of members of public with the leather jackets all with the same picture on the back of the leather jacket and threw down. Wow. Threw punches. Got back up on the stage about a minute later. Torn shirt, bleeding, sung the chorus. The place went nuts. Jimmy Barnes. I've always wanted to get him on the show to see if he remembers that.
7: Yeah. It's a long time ago. We'll chase that too. Mm. Uh, um, Have you seen the video of uh, a guy throwing a beer at a guy that's like performing in the crowd? he's like i think he's like being hoisted by the crowd or something like they're they're holding his ankles or whatever and someone throws a cup of beer at him and he catches it in midair and then drinks it everyone goes crazy uh great video out there but um but yeah it can definitely be serious uh, especially when um when the things that are being thrown are a lot heavier which um like phones, for example, the role of social media um, has also changed the nature of items being thrown on stage. Uh, um, a lot of people have actually been hurling their cell phones, hoping the performer will grab it and film a video, that sort of thing. And so that that can be that could be quite bad if it, That'd if it be hits horrendous. them. Yeah, so definitely um, definitely a serious aspect of that story, but uh, hopefully it doesn't get too bad. Mm. Fingers crossed. Mm. Um, and I do I, I like this story. A tourism agency, they've apologised after a video advertising the Philippines as a holiday destination showed footage from other countries.
0: Come to the Philippines, and you won't see this. Exactly.
7: Uh, so yeah, on Sunday, DDB Philippines agency released a statement, said it profusely apologized to the country's tourism secretary and the Department of Tourism, as well as the people of the Philippines. Um, yeah, the video featured many different shots, including aerial footage, footage of sand dunes in Brazil, and uh, footage of a man riding a buggy in the desert of the United Arab Emirates. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wouldn't say the Philippines are well known for deserts.
7: No, not really. Uh, but yeah, explaining the mishap, agency said in a post, while the use of stock footage in mood photos, videos is standard practice in the industry, the use of foreign stock footage was an unfortunate oversight on our agency's part. So hopefully they uh, won't be doing that again. But uh, hopefully Love, they love also, the honesty. Love the yeah, honesty. Yeah, very honest. And hopefully they didn't uh, you know, convince too many people to go to the Philippines and that are going to be disappointed in the end. Fingers crossed. Uh, One fact for you. Might have heard it before, but um, found it while uh, perusing the internet. Uh, Known as the birthday paradox, apparently, in a room of just 23 people, there's a 50-50 chance of at least two people having the same birthday. How many people in it? 23. Wow. Which I think is just, I don't believe it. It's, it's apparently scientifically... Apparently, in a room of 75, to go further on this, there's a 99.9% chance of at least two people matching.
0: 75 people. Well, how many staff have we got here? About 23, and we do have two people with the same birthday. Wow. I remember it. I remember there were two cakes. Okay. And two happy birthday to yous. Goodness. And two cards to sign. Well, there you go. <laughs> Uh, I was going to give you a Lydia Coe update, but it hasn't changed for an hour. So um, let me go and find another website to do that. Uh, We're getting a few suggestions, text through. So feel free to text through suggestions of a world record we could have a crack at. Chilli eating is not on the cards because that causes injury. That causes injury. but yeah, Yeah,
7: I've never really understood people doing that, to be honest. I mean, I'm horrible with spicy foods. I'm good with spicy foods,
0: but I don't think I could take a Carolina Reaper or whatever those... Horrific ones are. Anyway, we'll take a break. I'll try and give you a, a Lydia co-update, and we've got more text messages coming too. Uh, breaking news, developing stories. Um, there's reports that Jeremiah Nanai has failed a fitness test this morning with Queensland. And so, is it Jermaine Hopgood? Jermaine Hopgood is being held back for Queensland, so he plays for the Eels. So it'll be the fourth player that the Eels are going to lose, having already lost three. That's just come out in the last few minutes. So get ahead of the curve. Get ahead of the curve, Warriors fans. I'm not saying it's a sure thing. I'm not saying it's a sure thing at all. Uh, Lydia Ko is now three over f- through 14, which isn't bad. I know it's uh, it's 60, tied 69th, but she lost four shots on one hole. So she's one under all the rest. So just apart from that very unfortunate one. Um, uh, Minji Lee update, please. Oh, quickly, staff. Get a Minji Lee update. It is... Uh, where is she? Where is she? There she is. She's finished. Square with the card tied 21st. Have you got any questions for the great man Jeremy Paul? Because the Jeremy Paul show is on after the news and if you notice it quite often peaks and pips and crackles when we talk to him. We've put some technical expertise over to Australia and hopefully it's a lot clearer. But any questions? You know the rule. double eight, double three. JP next. I uh, was a remiss of me. There is another Kiwi in the US Open Women's Open. Amelia Garvey in her first one. Young woman. Uh, three birdies. But Three, six, seven bogeys and a double. She is six over, but um, what an achievement just to make the final field as well. Righto, um, we've just gone two o'clock. The questions for the great man, the former Wallaby hooker, and the current wonderful co-host of the Jeremy Paul Show is online.
1: It's time for the Jeremy Paul Show with your hosts, Mark Stafford and Jeremy Paul.
4: Jeremy Paul Show.
0: The great man. Welcome, JP.
3: Good, bro. How are we? Mate, that is crystal clear. Crystal. Yeah. Absolutely. And I can't believe I've been coming across all scratchy, peaky, Um, and. doesn't sound like me at all yeah, it's
0: correctly. a li- there's a little bit there but it's nowhere near as bad as, as the past is about should we start with the questions because there's a lot
3: oh mate you start with there is just a plethora of sport everywhere man it's it's crazy internationals are back the ashes are back on Whew. I don't mate I my head's going crazy
0: right Jeremy Paul you have just been anointed the all-black selector and head coach do you pick Sean Stevenson? <laughs>
3: Oh, geez, who do you pick? Like, it's, uh, you've got to have a bit of an eye for the Rugby World Cup, but also for the future as well. But obviously, Foz is not going to be the coach next year. So, um, you know, you've got to play to win, I think. And there, there has to be a lot of Chiefs players, and we can see that with a few of the selections. What about Josh Lord? Mm. All right. Um, Narawah? He deserved his spot this year. He's been outstanding for the first test. So, oh, look, I think Sean Stevenson will be there and will play a long time. But hard part for him is where, who do you drop out? You got Bowden Barrett playing fifteen, just because I think they're giving him a go in front of Will Jordan. Will Jordan is—he's another level. So, well, he's still he's Shawn-
0: still back in New Zealand with migraine issues, which it's been going for. Gosh, it feels like eighteen months now. So he didn't even travel, mate.
3: Yeah, no, no, I know, but you'd you'd have to think though that he's if he's fit, he's there, right? And then um, you know you you obviously got Talia, who's injured as well on the wing, so you've you've either got wing or fullback, right? Because you've got Bowden Barrett there, and so and Sean Stevenson who's had a, an incredible season this year. So oh, it's just a plethora of riches for for the All Blacks selections. But I, I definitely would have Sean Stevenson in the squad and thereabouts. Um, He's had a terrific season this year, and he's he's like that X Factor, right? Like, you can bring him on, and he can spark anything. So, um, But they're still obviously going with the Richard Mawanga. Like, obviously, Dame McKenzie's got the first start against Argentina, but, and Richie Moongo's on the bench. But, you know, seeing Bowdoin Barrett at 15, um, you know, you, you just want him on the field, don't you? <laughs> like, you like really do. Do you feel his like Ian Foster's
0: best and his number one team – At this stage, he's going to name it next week for South Africa and Auckland?
3: Well, you have to think this, this, because everyone's sort of got five or four tests in this rugby championship. So we've obviously All Blacks Australia have two with the Bledisloe Cup. Um, And everyone's having a bit of a lead. And the Wallabies actually are playing the French at home before the Rugby World Cup amazing game to sort of lead into that rugby world cup obviously so i think these first, these four games you'll see a few positions because you look at the back row on the all blacks right shannon fizzell he's he's got the first go at six you got dalton Papaliti there you got that young for now as well from the chiefs mm. who i think had an absolute he was you need a six and that's why i i, I I'm backing Shannon Frizzell here. Like that game, remember last year when the All Blacks were all under the pub and they lost that first game and then they had to come out in that second game. And it was probably one of the best wins the All Blacks have had for, for a long time under so much pressure. And Shannon Frizzell was, was easily one of the best players on that day. You you, you need that big ball running player in the back row. And yes, Artie Severe is a wonderful ball runner, but he's better in loose play. And, I, I think the back row balance, as well as the as well as the midfield. So 12-13. Geordie Barrett's gone to twelve. Uh, I I love Rico Juani. I I just see this kid as being one of the great one of the greatest players of all time. <laughs> that's that's how much I I I really back this kid. He he still hasn't fired yet, but I think if they sort out that twelve ten, and maybe Geordie Barrett is the solution for twelve. But I I think if you can. If they can fix that 12-13 selection, then, yeah, the All Blacks. The All Blacks are really going to put on a good show. I
0: I have to have Anton Leonard-Brown in my starting 15. Have to.
3: Well, do you play him at 12?
0: Yeah, because I, I feel like the Lone Ranger, but I feel like Geordie's best position is fullback. I don't think he's got fast enough feet for 12. He's, I'm not knocking yep. his bravery, his defence, his aerial work, his commitment. I'm not knocking any of that. But a fast feet twelve and Rico at thirteen, I think we'd see I think we'd see a better Rico with Anton Leonard Brown at twelve. I don't know. Yeah,
3: you need you need a twelve to create space, don't you? Mm. Like it's that twelve is a pivotal position. Like when you just need him to truck it up. Obviously Anton Leonard Brown has that. You just need to make yards. Um and then you need that sleight of hand as well, where they're a ball player. So that 12 is that's why I'm saying it's a critical position, as well as playing outside Richard Mwanga too, right? Like you gotta give you got to give the 10 a bit of space. Like all three tens, Barrett, Mwanga and Mackenzie, they they create space on their own as a just a, a dangerous runners because they're good runners of the footy. So you you also need a 12 that that can play outside of a 10 like that, who's not just a pass distributor. Um, not just a kicker, but an actual ball runner as well. So yeah, I, I think twelve is that. But twelve and six, man, and obviously fifteen. Mm. Uh, particularly if we're not going to see, um, particularly if we're not going to see Will Jordan. I just wish him the best of luck in his recovery. I really hope he can push through, and he gets better.
0: A uh, few questions about the Wallabies. Um, I think a really, really good back line. Um, and a pretty good forward pick, um, and a not very good forward bench. I might be wrong, but I think this Wallaby side's good enough to take the Springboks.
3: Look, it, it's a it's an interesting first side that Eddie's picked. Actually, like uh, front row, sort of. Yeah, that was pretty standard because the Brumby boys, Slipper and Alatoa have been outstanding this season. Very consistent. And I'm glad to see Nick Frost got a start. Like he's, he he is that, he he's kind of shaped a new type of second row. He's super quick, absolutely electric pace. And his work rate is incredible. But he's, but he's not that big bash kind of Will Skilton, if you know what I mean. Like big second row to bash him over the advantage line. And I think these two, in terms of Frost and Skilton, really balance each other. But then you've got to worry about the line-out. And that's why I think he's gone. What about young Tom Hooper? Mm. Come from nowhere, mm. on the bench for the Brummers. But he's – look, he's on the ball. See, Michael Hooper's not an on-the-ball seven. And when they've tried to get him to go on the ball, they actually lose – the strengths of Michael Hooper, and that is a ball running seven. I love seeing him out there running the ball. His support lines are, uh, oh my god, they're up there with George Schmitz, where he can he can angle himself and put himself into positions. But if he's tying himself up in the back, in, in the ruck to try and pilfer like a David Pocock or like you know Richie McCall, it, 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 he's not that seven. Mm. And that's why I like that pick with Tom Hooper because he's an on the he's really actually a seven. Obviously, Rob Valentini, best forward in Australia. Um, Love to see him at eight. I think if he can, if we can set a good platform, I I think we'll see him off the back a fair bit. Eddie loves that nine ten. Look quite. Love to see Quade fit Quade Cooper. Mm. And he's looking. God, he's looking sharp. Reese Hodge. The Mr. the masking tape, the man that can fix every every position, right? Like, he just... <laughs> and he, he can kick it
0: everywhere. over from 60
3: metres. Oh, yeah. Oh, bro, I still remember when he kicked that goal and it hit the post. Mm. And we could have won our first first Bledisloe Cup game there for 20, over 20 years, I think it was. Um, but, yeah, he got the start in front of um, Samu Karevi, who, who I... Samu Karevi, sorry, I... I Look, I love Samu Karevi. I think they I think Eddie's just sort of easing him in and um and uh big Von Ivalu. Like I, I told you, I said this a couple of weeks ago. Eddie loves his big NRL wingers, right? <laughs> um But yeah, no, you're right. Like I think look, I think the balance of I, I think he's really just Looking for players to step up in this game, particularly in the forward pack. And I think Tom Hooper has a wonderful opportunity here because six has also been notoriously a a tough position for us as well. Um, And that balance, because everything's about balance. Like you can't just have like the two sevens pilfering the ball everywhere. You got no support lines for that extra player for the for a a counter attack. Um, So it would be interesting to see how they go against this monstrous pack. Like ever since the scrummaging has changed in terms of that you know head to head contact and there's no more hit. South African props have gotten bigger. (laughs) Like they are. They are enormous. Like they were big in my day, mate. They were massive. Like Ollie Larue, my God, he's the size, you know, of the Eiffel Tower. But he, he, mate, it, it, it's as though the props, African <laughs> props, have just decided to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And <laughs> so it will be. It will be a big test for the Wallaby pack. And I think if they can get parity, uh, Eddie's only. Eddie's always been like we, Wallabies. We've always been fortunate to have a wonderful back line. And I think if we can get parity in the forwards, yeah, we're, we're a chance over there.
0: Mm. Um, I've got a question from Kerry in the mighty, mighty province of Manawatu. I'll tell you what, this is homework for you and me. We need to go through the World Cup draw. He's asked to give uh, both you and I our semi-finalists and the eventual winner of the World Cup. So that's our homework for this week. So we'll do that next week, OK? Yeah,
3: yeah I think I've, done, I've already done this, but I'll, I'll do it. Okay. Yeah, no, we'll come back to this next week, but yeah, um, yeah we'll see, it'll, it'll probably change, yeah, we'll do it now, because it'll probably change in about six to eight weeks. Yeah, yeah I know. After watching the game.
0: We'll so. do it next week. Uh, we've got a left-field one from, that says, James from Christchurch. G'day, feet. Question for JP. Does he have any tips to remove sticker residue off golf club shafts? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh, I could say really anything here now, but it's 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 in the afternoon and kids are driving, so we'll. Um, I think. forgot mate, I've got no idea. I think I the secret,
0: uh, James from Christchurch. I think it's fly spray. It's either fly spray, fly spray, fly spray. or nail polish remover. One of those two works.
3: Oh, I'd have to be nail polish, mate. When we were all locked in COVID, I must have got. I must have had every spa treatment possible, having daughters, and <laughs> I had toenails fingernails yeah that nail polish remover is amazing man <laughs> it takes off everything yeah <laughs> that's the one bro nail polish remover
0: um ashes i know you love the ashes mitch oh. marsh goes bang
3: bang i actually walked in a little my little bub, He was um he was going to bed last night and the, the ashes come on i said oh, i can't believe it. it's four for 91 and my favorite player mitch Marsh, and i I bet you he he smacks 100. And and I got so excited, I had to go and watch it. (laughs) I was like, oh, it is, do you know, with sports staff, like it is just, it's incredible to see a player step in, having not played for what, 20 odd months, I think it was. And smack 118 off 170. It was a controlled innings. Mm. Because this is always the thing about bringing in T20 players, right? Like players that can cleanly hit the ball like Mitch Marsh. And that is whether or not they've got the temperament for test test cricket. And you could see him, like when the cameras were on him, taking this big breath, like to slow himself down. Because it's (laughs) like he could have hit every single ball for six. Like it was just, oh, it was... And the emotion, like you almost felt like you were with him the entire, every ball. Mm. And um, look, it, it's it's it, particularly coming off the controversy and the Johnny Bairstow, like dismissal. My God, what about that debacle? The spirit <laughs> of cricket. Oh my God! I used to, I used to love that. Oh, that's not in the spirit of rugby. You do realise, like we used to kick the crap out of each other, like on the ground, like you know when we used to play. There was rucking, and a, one slide boot would end up in the back of your head, and you were like, "Oh, is that in the spirit? Is it like it was just?" Oh. My God, it was, they're under huge amounts. Could you imagine playing under playing a sport under that pressure of that press? Like that press over there is ruthless, that's savage. Um, and England have got it all wrong in these first two tests. Like it's, it's a wonderful way to play cricket, but you do need that control. And it's a little bit like the Brumbies back in 2000 when we didn't have a, a second game 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 plan, right? We didn't have plan B. We just ran the ball, ran the ball, when all we had to do was kick it, get some territory, and we would have won that final. So it's, yeah, you, you, you can't just have the one game plan. And But it's good cricket. I'm telling you, Staff, it's the best test cricket I've seen in a very long time.
0: As a cricket fan, Mark Wood, oh my God, how fast is he?
3: Could you imagine? Could you imagine seeing a ball coming at 150? Because these guys, they, they don't get that speed anymore, no. right? Like that that Uzi um, dismissal where he just clean bowled him, Well, came off the inside of his bat, but inside edge. But when you're talking about an extra 10 kilometres, 10 to 15 kilometres, that's frightening stuff. And especially, it's all been bouncers, right? Like so. <laughs> you've but but his action though, like he was injured in the last test, so he couldn't. They obviously wasn't available for selection and they didn't go with him in the first test. But his action, he's never been able to, like, double up and, and play consistently test after test after test. And there's very similar, actually, very similar story to Pat Cummins when he was younger. He stormed onto the scene as a 18-year-old, had an amazing first test, man of the match, test match over in south africa and we didn't see him for four or five years because of his action the great dennis Lilly came in and said why are you bowling like that like just just change this part here and now we're seeing it was one of the greatest test bowlers of all time like (laughs) yeah it's because he's always falling over every every over he's he's at least he's losing his footing yeah 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 so you know the body is it's it's not it's not designed to to move like that so oh look he he was he was electric but once the boys got through that Travis Head and and Mitch Marsh got through that first hour um but it's obviously a it's obviously a wicket they can take like it's a, it's a bowler's wicket so i think i think the fact we got 268 i think that's a That's a good score. Oh, mate, it's all on for tonight. Don't worry about that. can't wait.
0: Uh, Not a question from Ken, but you're almost cousins now. You and Ken just saying, JP, Oh JP. I like your comment about Rico. I've been trying for two years to tell SEN fans that about him. As for Anton Leonard-Brown at 12, he has to stay injury-free first to uh, first have a great day, JP. Cheers from Ken. Um, So there you go. That's not a question. It's a comment.
3: Yeah, it's the 12, man. I think... I think Rico's, and he's, he's showing glimpses. It just needs that consistency, and I think a, a good, in, I think a good twelve. Don't forget also last year there was still the experiment between Bowden, Barrett, and and Richie Moanga too. Which he obviously then held out and and kept the position. So I think him being more cemented at, at ten this year and him getting the crack, I think I think they'll make a hell of a difference too.
0: Uh, and finally, sticker off the shaft, uh, CRC, and then it peels off. And someone else, uh, Larry, has told us, lighter fluid all day.
3: <laughs> <laughs> lighter fluid, of course it is. Of course. I see, I see, man. They'll take care of anything, man.
0: It does. Take care it of anything. Takes care. All right, JP. Uh, finally, uh, All Blacks, Argentina, South Africa, Wallabies. Give us who wins each game in a couple of margins.
3: Oh, look, I think the Wallabies will get up by two points. Mm-hmm. I think they'll win in the last sort of five minutes. I really do. Um, and I think the All Blacks, I think the All Blacks will take Argentina as well. And I think this will be five points and under like I think I think we're going to see some tight fixtures over the next over the coming weeks and some good rugby I think I think Argentina will run the hell out of this ball particularly playing at home confidence up actually beating New Zealand last year so I think it'll be a tough game for the All Blacks over there and but I still think they'll get through I still think they've got the side and yeah coming into a Rugby World Cup everyone's going to be putting their hands up so mm. yeah good times Staff. good times and man.
0: everyone's going to be listening to the, the Jeremy the Paul show at 2 o'clock on Fridays I can tell you that now it's heating up yes thanks JP yes. enjoy the ashes the rugby the Tour de France the Wimbledon and the whole shebang boom <laughs> go the Wallabies <laughs> go the Wallabies that's JP we're going Pacing for Purpose after this break
1: it's Harness Racing New Zealand Pacing for Purpose season 2
0: And I've literally handed the reins to Robbie for pacing for purpose. Where have you gone, you Robbie? Have, now, oh. here's, here's what we do. Here's how we roll it, right? right. You tell me what meeting it is, and well, what day is it?
7: It is today.
0: It is today. Okay. So it must be at Addington. It is. What race number is it? Race seven. Race seven. Now I try and guess. Right. Okay. Um. I don't know your bettings I don't know your betting style very well I think you're going to be conservative because it's the first time you've done it. Have you chosen beach flyby I have not oh he's got a bit of value Have you gone American me I have not so you've gone quite rough was beach in the name nope have I got the right race? You're gonna go rough as guts here. Um goodness me. Um deny everything?
7: Uh no, funnily enough.
0: Okay, carry on. You tell me.
7: I will I will tell you. I have gone for uh Sweet Bell. Sweet Bell. Sweet Bell. Number but, number nine in the race. Oh, there it is. Eight dollars. Eight dollar shot, Sarah O'Reilly junior driver with the drive. Um, Yeah, I I feel a tough draw, but a tough horse with gate speed to get into a uh, handy enough position. So uh, likely to head forward. One of his last two starts. It's the high, yeah, highest rated horse in in the race, coming off back to back wins. Eight dollars. I like it.
0: We will surge up the leaderboard and I will congratulate you and thank you. Thank you to Harness Racing New Zealand for pacing purpose raising funds for all of our shows for all of our charities and of course ours is Butterbean Motivation the great man Dave Letelli and speaking of Junior Drivers we're going to join one. Crystal Hackett four winners last night. Four in a row if you don't mind. Her first four drives last night won them all. She'll join the show after the news. Well, last night at the Cambridge Harness Raceway, uh, I just happened to be watching, and I joined in a little bit late to the party, but in race one, in race one, Crystal Hackett, uh, she won that race quite comfortably, $2.40 shot. Then in race three, she drove Claude, (coughs) excuse me, that was her second drive of the night, she won that one, and then I joined in. In race five, she drove a horse called Pixie. It's Pixel enjoyed the perfect run, the gold
5: ace mare and Crystal Hackett gets a hat-trick of uh, successes.
0: Three from three, race six, her next drive, run Forest Run
5: run forest run and
0: that young lady crystal hackett four lengths away on the field mr muscle homeward bound jason over winner's time run forest run through on the inside here comes run forest run drive crystal drive she's going for four tonight and run forest run gets it ah crystal hackett's her name and she joins us now g'day crystal Hello, how are you? I'm, I'm great. Um, a career a career of a couple of years, you've driven 41 winners, 10% of them last night. What a night.
8: Yeah, no, it was a super night, that's for sure. And um, as you say, i only been driving a couple of years, but to get four was just outstanding. I was, I was wrapped when I got to three, and four was just a dream come true, really.
0: Yeah, and they a couple of them were favourites, but the other two weren't, particularly that last one, Run, Forest, Run. I worked out, if we put $10 on those four horses in a multi-bet, we would have got 1700 bucks. So I should have called you yesterday, not today.
8: <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, that would have been good value. That's, yeah, definitely.
0: Now Hackett's a pretty well-known name in the harness racing industry, born into it, and um, sort of no excuse not to do it, I guess.
8: Yeah, yeah, look, mum and dad both obviously train and drive. And um, early on, I was more into the riding horses. But as, as I got older, I got wiser and learned what harness racing was about. And now I wouldn't look back. I just love it.
0: I did one of those dual sulky races once at Alexandra Park, and I, I near fell out. I was packing myself. <laughs> How long does it take to actually just not think about falling out, not think about, and you can just focus on tactics? How long does that take?
8: Um, I'm not sure how long it takes I guess it's for someone like me it's just come naturally because I've been around the harness racing for so long you don't feel like you're going to fall out but I guess for someone who hasn't done it for long it probably takes a bit longer getting the technique and learning how to sit in the sulky yeah
0: yeah, you're telling me I'm not a natural. That's what you're saying, aren't you? <laughs> no,
8: no, that's <laughs> definitely not what I'm saying. <laughs> um,
0: there's, there's a lot of gear on harness horses, a lot of gear sometimes. And I was watching your races last night, and I want to know, they've got the earplugs plugs in their ears just to chill them down. And at some stage in the race, uh, on the point of the home turn or at the start of the last turn or something, you pull the string and the earplugs plugs come out. Can you feel an extra surge sometimes when you do that?
8: Yeah, definitely. Um, there are a lot of horses that don't react to it, but there's also a lot that do. And um, it is a nice feeling knowing you've got the, it's like a motorbike with an extra gear. You pull the plugs and you, you can feel them surge, go off, and get extra gear and just try that a little bit harder when they hear the excitement. And yeah. And it's almost
0: like a cue for them, like, oh, they want me to go now. Um, it's just like they're waiting for it to put in the extra effort. Do you feel like it's that for the horse?
8: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but their instructions on when to go faster, and yeah, definitely for sure. So, what do you do?
0: How do you fill your days away from race night? Because I know in the racing industry, all codes, it, it's it's um, you just love the animals, that sort of thing. So, on non-race days, what does fill up Crystal Hackett's day?
8: Um, just work really. <laughs> um, just yeah, work morning and afternoon at. Um, where I work at Barry Purden, Scottfield and Racing Stables, and, um, yeah, just work and breathe horses, really. Working for any
0: Purden is a real coup. How did you butter yourself up to get into that stable? Because they have good, good horses.
8: Yeah, they do. Definitely very lucky to be working for such a legend like Barry. Um, originally, I, I was pretty young, and I just come over and did a couple of weeks' work experience in my school holidays, maybe three years ago, and Barry offered me a job when I was there and said, Crystal, when you want to come over, the job's yours. So uh, about six months later, I rang him back up and said, Barry, can I come back now? And he said, yep, for sure, you're hired. So that's about, and,
0: yeah, it's about taking that early opportunity, eh? improving yourself.
8: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, he obviously liked what he saw when I was here doing work experience. And, um, yeah, I, I love working here and wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't look back now, that's for sure.
0: So has your phone been ringing a little bit more? I know it's only, what are we, 12 hours later or something like that. But just with a performance like that, it, it's, it's really good for your CV, Crystal.
8: Yeah, it is. Yeah, no, I've been very lucky. I've had a lot of messages of congratulations and well done. I've yeah definitely had a lot of support that way. And, yeah, the phone has been buzzing a bit, that's yes, for sure.
0: That's awesome. So how long have you got left in the junior driver ranks?
8: Um, I've got about four years left as a junior. Um yeah, four years because that yeah, I've had it for two years and um, I think you get six years unless you haven't driven a 100 winners and you get until you drive a 100, but hopefully I'll succeed my 100 um, before then so I should get a maximum six years.
0: Right, um, and I think you won race one, then race three, then race five, then race six. They were your first four drives, and then you had one in race eight. I was almost expecting a five, peach, but it didn't quite work for you.
8: <laughs> no, it didn't quite pan out that way. It would have been nice to leave the night on 100% strike rate, but it didn't quite work out. But that's, that's racing. I was just over the moon to get the first four. <laughs>
0: Talking to Crystal Hackett who got four wins last night at the Harness Racing and you had about, what have you got, you got about an hour and a half between races when you don't, so between race one and three. What do you do? Do you just sit in the driver's room? Do you do crosswords, Sudoku? Do you watch the chase? What do you do? (laughs) No, just
8: sort of by the time you've um, ungeared your first one, given it a wash down and, we had horses racing from work, so back to the stables and gear up the next one and get them ready, give them all a walk and a drink and look after the horses, really, and then just jump back on, go over to my next drive and jump back on there, yeah.
0: But you've got four winners in a night. Get the lackeys to do that now. You don't need to hose <laughs> down horses, surely.
8: <laughs> no, it's all part of the job, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> oh, Awesome, Crystal. So when are we next going to see you um, on race night? When's your next assignment?
8: Uh, Friday, Friday, next Friday coming um, we'll be back at Alexandra Park
0: Well we wish you all the very best uh, an immense night last night um, just wonderful to watch you actually and I can hear the pride in your voice I'm sure your family and your bosses and everyone are really proud so well done and uh, go well in the future
8: Cheers, thank you very much Can I get you to say with me How bloody are ya? Ah.
6: Ah.
3: Across the Ditch We're
0: going across the ditch. How
9: bloody are you?
0: How the bloody hell are you? What was How her name? How bloody are ya? Bingle. What was her name? Who? Who? Who did that? Who did that ad for Qantas? How the bloody hell? Oh no! Where the hell? Where the bloody hell are you? Who did that where ad?
9: Where the bloody hell are you? That was Lara Bingle, aged eighteen, uh, and it was a Tourism Australia ad.
0: And was uh, she the girlfriend of Michael Clark or someone like that?
9: Uh, for a time, yes. I think she was the fiance. Oh, the fiance. Uh, some sort of speculation around a ring going down a toilet, but that's unconfirmed <laughs> at this point. Um, there was now she's married to Sam Worthington. Oh. you know Sam. Sounds from, like uh, an
0: Australian rules name.
9: No, Sam's. Uh, he's a great actor. Okay. And he is in the Avatars. He's, oh. He's most, he's most famous for being in the Avatars, but he's a great Australian actor.
0: Avatar, of course, created where.
9: Uh, Peter Jackson, uh, what are they called, Weta Studios? Weta
0: Studios, great New Zealander, yeah.
9: Yeah, whereabouts, whereabouts?
0: It's not far from the airport, actually. It's in Miramar.
9: Right, in Auckland.
0: In Wellington, sorry, in Wellington. Um, sort of there's Wellington City, and then there's a bit of a peninsula that the airport's on, and then there's a Miramar, Tune sort of area, housing area, quite nice, and he's there. That's where the Weta workshops are.
9: And and that's where a lot of the Lord of the Rings was filmed, yep. right in New Zealand.
0: Yep. yep. And King Kong. King Kong. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yep.
9: There you go. Um, I tell you what, he is he is an out and out genius, Peter Jackson.
0: He sure is, isn't he?
9: Is yep. he? Is he revered in New Zealand? Is he?
0: Oh, massively. And the thing we love when the Lord of the Rings premiered, it premiered in New Zealand. He insisted that the first showing was in New Zealand. It was about six hours before. The states, and I think it was right. Um, and he turned up to the red carpet premiere, they shut down the main road of Wellington, and he rocked up in shorts and jandals.
9: Is that right? Yep. <laughs> Did he have a chili bin in the back? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, God love him. <laughs> That's very New Zealand. Now, he's he's an out and out genius, that guy, absolutely brilliant. He is he as revered as, say, Sean Johnson, by the way. Good news, hmm? vintage J. Uh, we'll be playing tomorrow night. from Aldo.
1: Sean Johnson with the little one-two step off the left. But it's vintage SJ. He's in
9: Sammy. so that's good. We're hearing Hopgood might not be. Yes, that's a massive turnaround. i tell you what, I've I've gone on record as saying I think the Parramatta Eels are a chance of missing the eight, right? They've got a very tough run home. If they miss the eight by two points, but have a much better for and against than the team that finishes eight and they lose this game this weekend,
0: this oof. is the game.
9: This is this is it. Everyone thought, well, Gutho will be playing. Gutho's not playing. Mm. Hopgood, they're, they're, we haven't got confirmation of that, but they're doing a, a, a fitness test on Jeremiah Nanai to see whether he's available to play. And if there's any question mark around that, Hopgood does not play
0: for Parramatta. Well, see, the the, the oil I'm getting is he failed the fitness test. Oh, okay. That's, that's the oil I'm getting. Where's your oil from? Don't need to tell me. Don't reveal your sources.
9: Might be the newspaper, is it? It's...
0: No, it's not the newspaper. It's Twitter.
9: Oh well, that's a good source. Mm. Very good source.
0: I know. Okay. Hey, uh, what's something I've been saving to ask you today about the potential of strikes in the NRL? The the complete fall down between between the NRL and the players is mm. how serious is this, Jimmy? Uh,
9: very serious. Mm. Significant. Very significant. So the only other action, and this is what Clint Newton uh, said: the only other action that we can say, oh, okay, uh, apparently reports an eye fitness test this morning. Yeah, no, we've got that. We want – check the time on it, Coach K, please. Hard to get uh, – anyway. Um, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, very serious. The only thing they could have done was strike outside of what they're doing now, right? Mm-hmm. So no one wins in the strike. You could argue that there's, you know, there's a few losers in this. In saying that, I watched the game last night. Did anyone's enjoyment of the game suffer because the players weren't allowed to speak to us before or after the
0: game? No. no. I mean, that's the same as rugby over here. We don't speak to the players before or after the game anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Is that right? Oh, it's, it's not written in stone, but it's nigh on impossible, apart from the uh, official press conference. Ah. Yeah. Because you've talked about, haven't you, access to
9: um, super rugby players. It's really poor.
0: It's really, really difficult, really difficult. Like days in advance, you need to ask any other sport. I can ring them in the morning, get them on in the afternoon.
9: Uh, and, and why are they – why are they? Because from what I understand, and we talked about it I think last week and I was speaking with New Zealand rugby types about how how broadcast numbers have fallen mm. for Super Rugby dramatically.
0: Mm. Yeah, I look – the, the the odd rugby player i get on i go straight to them like the players that i know like and I, I know a, a few of the all blacks and i just miss i just text them and say hey mate i know you're at the airport can you jump on and they go yes if i go through a media manager it just won't happen and so i've given up jimmy i've given up
9: and so they probably get in trouble from the media
0: manager yep um
9: And and there's all different reasons as to why the media manager won't, right? Often it's because they've got nothing else in their life and that's their little domain that they want to take control of, right? And I'm talking about from an NRL point of view as well. Often it's maybe a senior figure in the club that says, hey, we don't want to talk that much. Mm. Um, And often there's another, like, there's no one reason why, but traditionally we find it. Um, at times, difficult to get to NRL players here.
0: Mm. I feel like media managers, you know the stop-go signs that you have at the on the roadworks? Yes. I feel like they've got one of those and both sides say stop. <laughs> That's <laughs> Just what I'm saying. They,
9: ter- they turn it around, You, a foot goes off the brake <laughs> onto the accelerator, and then, oh, back on the brake. Hang mm. on. It's gone stop to
0: stop. Yeah, Administration in Australia is having a few issues because there's the NRL. I don't know if you're across what's happening in netball Australia that if you want to go to the World Cup, you have to sign on to Australia for three years and they're just going no. Yeah,
9: right. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a bit messy. It's a bit messy. So,
9: so what? If you want to play for Australia, you have, to, you have to commit to the country for three years. A
0: super netball team for three years. Yeah.
9: Oh. Yeah, no, the, no, no, no. Spirit no, no. of the game. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, Who wins? Just let us know who wins. We're up 2-0. Yeah, okay. Well, that's a little bit different. Mm. And, yeah, I understand them doing their best to protect the product that they have, which has been really good too. Yeah. By the way, Swift's in action this weekend in the grand final. But that's – okay. Well, they've been beset by revenue issues of late um, for all sorts of different reasons. You know, there was the Hancock prospecting – issue that they had and then um, the Victorian government swooped in and then not everyone was happy with that and um, it, it's funny because I, I think it's the same over in New Zealand. Netball is such a popular sport, mm. such participation rates but the girls don't seem to get the rewards that say the cricketers or the footballers even the rugby league players. Not even to.
0: close yeah. Not even close mm. Yeah so it's uh, Interesting. Uh, my interesting. my parting remark Yes. I think the Wallabies will beat South Africa this weekend.
9: Eddie Jones, first side, he's named in 18 years for the Wallabies. The, <laughs> the guru. The, the guru. There you go. Um, and Sunia uh, uh, Vrlivalu yes. has come straight in.
0: Loves just, his NRL wingers. Jeremy does, Paul. J- Jeremy Paul was just had him on every Friday. He said, Eddie loves NRL wingers.
9: He, he absolutely. And he's just been, uh, you know, practice kicking over there. <laughs> and Suliasi, you jump up and catch it. It's pretty simple. Well, it's pretty simple when you do that, right? It is. All right. Oh, vintage Jimmy Smith today. Great chat. Uh, hang on. Just a minute. Just a minute. Where are we going?
1: Sean Johnson with the little one to step off the left foot. It's vintage, SJ. Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> Thank uh, you, boys. It will be again. Thanks, buddy. We'll catch Jimmy Smith next week. We'll go back in the day after this. Here's
1: what happened
0: back in the day. Yes, on July the 7th, 2003, for the first time, Australians were in possession of both the yellow and green jerseys in the Tour de France. Brad McGee held the yellow, and Robbie McEwen the sprint one, after the second stage. Uh, 2012, Scottish tennis star Andy Murray won his first Wimbledon singles final when he beat Novak Djokovic. 647564, and 11 years later, they're still in the mix. And he was 26 then. Me oh my birthdays today. The great, the wonderful, the iconic Sumari Halberg was born on this day in 1983. Lisa Leslie, born on this day in 72. Uh, Louis Kuhn, the South African first five, he turns 48 today. And the wonderful Ron Cribb turns 47 today, the number one movie in 1984 was uh, Ghostbusters a big thank you to Robinho, we'll do it all again next week on the Afternoons Beef and Kim are coming up taking you through from 3 till 6 the number one song in 84 was by Prince